Bo and Bam, <laughs> keep up the great work. Every weekend on demand, this is the Good Morning BT Podcast. Maybe next time I'll think before he Wait, wait, that's not fair. That's not really this. It's not the same thing at all, and it makes the guys sound like they're. Uh, so we're talking about <laughs> cheating, and I was looking for something that said cheat. So uh, there you go. Thank you, Carrie Underwood. Well but we're, we're talking about cheating in school. Mm. And this article uh, that we were talking about from the freepress.com that basically says that cheating is so rampant now. Um, with all the technology and, and all of the ways that it can happen, that there's no way to put the genie back in the bottle. Oh, and this makes me really sad. I didn't realize until I read this article how many options are out there for cheating, that students are uploading exams from past semesters and that there are places that you can literally search for the answers for specific exams, but then beyond that, just Googling an answer. We couldn't do that. I'd have to walk all the way to the library. I'd never get a test done in time. Yeah, back in our day, you had to work to cheat. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> wait, that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> no, I, no, I, look, look, we can both say here, you and me, we were not cheaters Not in cheaters, no. Um, I don't think anybody is surprised by that. But I, I certainly knew people who did. And, and, and when you're in high school, I mean, look, uh, if it's egregious, egregious, then I think there's the onus on you to say something uh, as best you can. Yeah, but say you something, all, say something. But you also don't, look, kids don't want to be squealers. Tattles. You don't yeah. want to tattle on people. I, I know what it's like to grow up because I did, and you did, and everybody listening did or is. Uh, and we're talking to you as you listen, 704-570-1110. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, your experience as a parent? How about being a teacher? How about being a student? It's all open. We have Carol, who's a nursing instructor. And I mentioned uh, chat GPT earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact now that AI is figuring into the mix. Teresa was talking about this a few weeks ago. And uh, the, the AI part of it is just mind-blowing. It's freaking me out. But, uh, Carol, welcome to Good Morning BT. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yes, I'm absolutely uh, terrified of this, and I'm fascinated at the same time. Um, I think that as educators um, in higher education, we are going to have to be very resourceful and come up with some ways to make sure our students are learning. Um, I mean, I think about every day when I go to work with my students, I am educating the next generation of the most trusted profession. Mm-hmm. Yes. You are tapping into uh, the first thing I thought of, or one of the things I thought of when I read this, uh, cheating in your profession in the medical industry. So what happens if somebody cheats their way all the way through high school and college and pre-med and then becomes a doctor and all of a sudden uh, you're on the operating table and you've got somebody who didn't really do the work? That's terrifying. I, um, I'm thankful that we have a, a standardized a board um, that we have to pass as nurses in order to practice. I think most, uh, well, most of the medical professions do, um, and there's no way to cheat on that. Um, we're more concerned about, you know, papers, writing papers, presentations, and some of the software that we've traditionally used to scrub for plagiarism. Um, it's kind of an arms race now, like who can get ahead of whom. Um, oh. You've got uh, Turnitin, which is a, um, you know, the, it'll scrub the paper and see if it's got plagiarism in it. And they're trying to be able to see, hey, can we catch if there's any, you know, bot-generated text in here. Um, but it's like I said, at the same time, I think there's many ways that we can use this for good. I think there's, uh, you know, ways that we can use this to advance um, nursing and advance the, the practice of nursing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just worry that 
I just worry that people, you know, practice makes perfect, and especially in a profession like yours. And I worry about the lack of practice. If you have you know, people who are using chatbots and things to generate work, you're not getting. You have to fail sometimes in order to learn, or and, or to fake that you actually did the work right. that you did practice. Right. I mean, I know there's a board, and I know there are ways to uh, guard against what I'm talking about, uh, Carol. But also, I mean, uh, there are. I, I want whoever is working on me to have done every possible thing they can do and not just say they did part of it. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, right. it's it really it, it has a lot of layers to this. Yeah, uh, Carol, Carol, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to start this call. and We may have to finish it after the break, but I have to go to Kevin now, who is a school principal who wants to talk about cheating. And I said a few minutes ago, give me uh, teachers, parents, students, but I didn't say principals. But now we got one. Kevin, welcome to WBT. Oh, thank you very much. Hi. How are you guys? Thank you. Um, one of the things that you, you see in education is, you know, we all push technology because technology was what was going to make our kids global, very competitive globally. Mm-hmm. But one of the things when you do that, it went to an extreme. When kids are in school, the, the teachers can monitor what's going on in the classroom. The problem is when they leave because kids are so advanced in technology that when they leave school they can get anything and access to anything and of course we can only monitor the kids in the school not outside the school mm-hmm. it's it's hard to actually understand it but we really need to go back to where there's a lot more balance we really need to go back to where there's more paper and pencil yes more, right and so, okay, thanks, Beth, for agreeing. Cause I, <laughs> I agree. I did it passionately, didn't I? I, I, I agree. Hang on, uh, Kevin, let me try it. Yes! <laughs> okay. okay. That's a little bit better, but not much. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Trust me, I'm with We're, you. I'm yeah. a pen and paper gal, and I, I'm, I'm sad for students that they're not utilizing it. Well, we are. But see, that's a, I think it's a little misconception. We, we do have a little bit of, and let's just take, say, a math class. You, you can push math with certain programs, but in the end, some teachers have to use that computer as a tool to supplement uh, the content. Mm-hmm. So there are times where these teachers, whether it's my school or a school, can close that com- you know computer, get a sheet out, mm-hmm. work it like we used to do, and have a list of problems. So we have to get back to that as a natural flow. We can't just all of a sudden close the computers and say, Here's what we're doing, because I think it's important to go back to, I guess, like everything in life, to balance. And it's really driven mm-hmm. by administrators and teachers in the classroom where you can achieve a balance in there. But we now have to push it. We now have to market it to where, look, it's important for our kids to actually have paper and important to work worksheets. Kevin, I think we went- Kevin, the oh, bell is about to ring. I'm sorry. I know you have to get to class as well. I appreciate you calling so much, and uh, we'll, we'll continue this conversation because the lines, surprise, surprise, are jammed. This is the Good Morning BT Podcast. All right, back to the phones at 704-570-1110. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, we're talking about cheating in school in 2023 and uh, how sophisticated it's gotten, actually, mm. all the ways that uh, it can be done, and I can't imagine being a teacher 
Um, I, I can't imagine being a parent. Mm-hmm. I, I have I have kids who have grown up in this, and you hear things about what goes on uh, with with friends of theirs and stuff. They, and social media. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, you don't have to have a kid in school. You don't have to be a parent to realize that the way technology has grown, um, things like cheating, unfortunately, ways to do it. The, the 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 ways have gotten sophisticated. It's gotten easier and easier. And I had no idea how many ways there were to cheat. So Mike, of course, wants to defend the cheaters. Mike, line two. What's up, Mike? Welcome to WBT. Thanks. Good morning. I'm thankful for both of y'all. Oh, thank you. All right. Any, anyway, one of the... Uh, and my disclaimer is I'm not a STEM person, but the most valuable thing I learned in school, high school and college wasn't the actual data, the facts, but it was how to find the answer I was looking for, was the critical thinking skill. And and aren't these kids just figuring out a way to find the answer uh, in a critical way that we should be kind of looking at differently? All right, Mike. You know what? I had not thought of that, but you're right, because in life, it's not like once they get out of school, if someone asks them a question in any job that they're in, that they're not going to be able to go look that answer up. (laughs) They will be able to, unless maybe they're a surgeon and they're in the middle of, you know, cutting open your gut. That that's when I kind of want them to know the answer. (laughs) But that's what those board examinations are are there uh, for. Good point. I mean, it's the same thing the nurse instructor um, said, that, that there are boards for that very reason. Well, and we yeah, talked to we talked to Teresa about, uh, you know, th- there are are people. You know, th- th- is, 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 what am I trying to say here? She talks about hackers yeah. and somehow hackers can work for the good yeah. because hackers can actually uh, try to defeat other hackers. Right. They can so, figure out how to hack. I see where Mike is coming from here uh, to a degree. But then by the same token, uh, if you're cheating uh, in order to say if you're cheating on an assignment and uh, then in the end you have a higher grade point average than the person who didn't cheat, that's an issue. Uh, he's talking about uh, if, if you cheat in school, then perhaps there are some things, some problem solving skills that you acquire along the way that may help you in life. And so th- that's all true. I get that. And Mike, we got to move on and bring some other people into this. But uh, I get where he's coming from about critical thinking and figuring out where to find the answer. But I'm with you on it being unfair to those who are following the rules. Gabe, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT with Bo and Beth. What's going on, Gabe? Good morning, Bo and Beth. Thank you so much for all that you guys do. I hear you every morning. My brother and I, we listen to you when we go to school. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. Gabe, thank you. But, um, yeah, so I'm a student at school. I actually just got to school, funny enough. But um, at our school, we have an honor code, uh, and we follow that pretty strictly. And to cheat here is pretty hard. Most of our assignments are on paper. Um, and even then, even with essays, we have something, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's called turnitin.com. But oh, it's I've never a, heard of that. Uh, paper, or like when you turn in like papers online, oh, okay. and it checks for plagiarism. So you can't really cheat that way. Oh, so it's like kind of AI that scans everybody's papers to see if that paragraph exists somewhere else. Correct. It does exactly that. Oh, wow. It's sometimes kind of funny. If you submitted previous papers with your name in them, it'll scan your name because it thinks you're plagiarizing your own name. Oh, say okay, so here's where I like technology. Now, that's pretty cool. Do you feel like you're benefiting because you are at a school that really promotes this honor code in ways that maybe some other schools don't? Uh, yes, I would say so because you learn how to you know, follow it for going into the real world. You build integrity. 
and it also forces you to, to not take the easy route. You have to take the, you know, the road that you're supposed to take, especially for papers. Um, I think it makes you a more thorough writer, and it makes you uh, better prepared. So, Gabe, you sound like you're multitasking. Are you, are you walking to class? I am, actually. I'm walking with my brother to class. Wow, that, that, how meta is that? That's like <laughs> yeah, the perfect caller. Gabe, uh, thank you, man. We appreciate you listening and for being out there. Yes. Thank and you very much. Appreciate it. I feel like Gabe's going to be president of the United States. Did you? Like, I just I, I see it already. I Vote for Gabe. And when he's president, they'll ask him, what radio show did you listen to when you were coming up? <laughs> and you know what he'll say. He'll say, WPT, I hope. <laughs> exactly. say, that Beth and Bo in the morning. <laughs> we made him smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's only because we know Mark Garrison. <laughs> this is the Good Morning BT Podcast. News Talk 1110 WBT crossing the streams on a Thursday morning. Bo and Beth here. We have people holding the line at 704-570-1110. We will get to you, I promise. But we're talking, have been talking about uh, the sophistication in 2023 of cheating in school. And uh, Winterbull, uh, you, you're a little bit older than, than Beth and me, but you have kids. Uh, I have kids. Uh, this this is all over the map. I mean, I, we've talked to teachers. We've talked mm-hmm. to a principal. We talked mm-hmm. to uh, a student who was walking into school a few minutes ago. Um, but I'm curious where you come in, down on this. There's, a, there's an article from FreePress.com that's written by a woman who's who's basically uh, lamenting the fact that here in 2023, uh, it, it's it's easier a, and than ever to to cheat in uh, the many ways that technology allows. And colleges and, and campuses are having trouble putting the genie back in the bottle, especially coming off of remote learning where uh, students had to learn how to do that from home. And while on one hand that uh, made school possible. It also made uh, made cheating. certain cheating possible mm-hmm. or more possible. But where do you come down on this? Well, I mean, look, uh, integrity is foundational to our society. You, you're supposed to not be cheating. You're not supposed to steal or do any of those sorts of things. But uh, this is this is always going to be running behind, right? Because this is like uh, cops uh, trying to uncover uh, a new way of committing a crime or, or anything like that. So you're always going to be on the defensive end of it. Uh, I I. I have been lucky enough that uh, I I, ne- I really never engaged in cheating. I was always afraid I was going to be the guy that got caught. Yes, um, we were rule followers in school. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, that's that's really where I come down. My kids haven't, uh, as far as I know, uh, my right. kids haven't uh, haven't run afoul of that. I mean, I haven't gotten a phone call about cheating um, or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I, my wife's a teacher. Uh, you know, she she polices pretty effectively in her room, but you, you're not going to stop all of it. And now with chat GPT and, and all these other new technologies, it, this is going to get this is going to be difficult. It's going to get hairy. This is you. You hit the nail on the head with the idea of integrity. If we are if, if, if young people now are just going at the the cheating idea because it is so easy to find right. Right. answers to create papers using chat GPT, it, Here's my biggest question. What kind of people and leaders do they become in business, in politics, in life, in the world, in their neighborhoods if this is – if 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 this isn't the basic foundation, if if, if integrity wow. is not the basic foundation, they become politicians. Most <laughs> most most of them do. Uh, but but you know, here's here's the thing. I think the only way you could incentivize you have to com- have a competing market. So what I would say is this: I'd say okay, the start of the school year, okay, everybody's on track to get a thousand dollar bonus at the end of the year. 
uh, for all the kids, right? And then you say, but if you get caught cheating, we're going, you're not going to get $1,000. You have to I pay 1000 or, or something else. <laughs> you're not going to be eligible for next year's 1000 or you're going to whatever. You owe us money or something like that. I believe in incentives and also inducements, but I also believe in punishments, too. So, I, you know, I, I just I think you have to just kind of figure out a way to compete with these people and, and, and send the message that, you know what? If you cheat and you get caught, it's going to really cost you while all your other friends are flying to Cabo. Mm. Well, look. I, in the sixth grade. <laughs> in the sixth grade. Wow. What school is that? <laughs> the hardest professor I had in all my years of college was my freshman year. He taught world history. Mm-hmm. And the more I think about this, uh, I thought it was a ludicrous thing to do at the time. But now in light of all this, I, it almost is, it was it was way ahead of its time. He, the, he was a really, really hard professor, and, and he had notoriously... Um, savage pop quizzes and and there was his tests were really hard and this is yep. back when you know when you were you were you were you were writing with a pencil not to uploading it on a portal however i remember that over half your grade at the end of the of the semester was a 15 minute oral test Ooh, I like in, his, oh. in, in his yes. office in his yes. office and i remember thinking that's yes. like so much writing like on 15 minutes of an oral test I like but that. then how do you beat that right like if you're you trying can. to combat this that's one way that that's you, a great you know, idea. Ask that's questions. Great, Defend your great, argument. Make right or, or or say, listen, we're going to make this a comprehensive test at the end of this of the year, uh, and and it's going to be like you just said, you know, an oral exam like that, uh, or you or you uh, you have to you know summarize all the aspects that we've talked about uh, in an essay. Uh, or one of those blue books or whatever it is, because I, I think you have to strip the technology out of the room and go back to, you know, the days of Plato and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, it was a lot easier to bust people if you were Plato or Aristotle, because, you know, you start trying to carry in a marble uh, thing that you've carved the answers into, that's going to get spotted. <laughs> I had a professor that made us, We the Socratic method was the entire class, and we were only ever graded on any oral argument that we had in class. Like we didn't that. have written tests, yep. nothing. Every day we were graded on our oral arguments. That's awesome. See, that's the way you got to do it, because uh, you got to... You gotta, the the oral argument is the way to go because it really proves that you have mastery uh, and, and you can you can think on your feet and, and that's really that's th- that's how you have proof of education mm-hmm. and you'll have a great radio career out of it. Right. You, yes, the only absolutely. skill I have is talking. <laughs> this is the best of Bo and Beth on demand. All right, the lines are loaded, 704-570-1110. We're talking about cheating in 2023. Mm. All the sophisticated ways that People can do it. Not condoning it, but we're talking about uh, the situation that we're in with students, with teachers, with principals, and everybody has called. Uh, Joanna's been waiting on line one for a long time. Joanna, welcome to Good Morning BT. Well, thank you for taking my call. So, first of all, we, as we all have said, technology has taken over. But unfortunately, our methods of instruction have not kept up with that. And so I can hardly blame the kids who cheat because that's what they've grown up with. They've grown up with technology. So if you're instructing with pen and paper and in-class learning, I don't blame them. I really don't. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I don't blame them for doing that. I also agree with the gentleman who said it develops critical thinking skills. Um, You know, maybe that's something that needs to be 
put into the education system is how do you find the answer to this quickly? And the other thing is we don't learn. Typically, people throughout their lives don't gain expertise through in-class learning. A very small percentage. Mm -hmm. What they do gain expertise from is being actually doing it, actually, you know, being being uh, in a in a place or a position to have to do whatever the classroom is teaching. So yeah. they learn by doing. The other thing is they they learn by mistakes. Unfortunately, I don't think that's good for a doctor necessarily, but. It, I agree. Like you learn some of the best lessons from failing, and you know, you know, maybe if there was a way to 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 test kids and, and cite you know their work on how, where they find all of the information that they're getting for their their papers, but you know, you make a point that there are a lot of people who they didn't necessarily cheat going through school. I know that I might have been one of these people. I learned how to work the system. You know, and I didn't necessarily right. learn as much as I could have, but I learned how to make the system work for me. And I think that's that's totally acceptable. Yeah, and it kind of feels like cheating now. <laughs> it feels like cheating now because I could know way more. <laughs> Juana, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Cecil, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hey, Bo and Ben. Good morning. Good morning. I love your show. Thank I, you. Uh, Thank you. This is a bit out of scope, probably. Uh, I'm going to take us back a few years. I went to uh, school, undergraduate school in the southeast, and the fraternity houses had uh, metal files. <gasps> and every semester, all the fraternity brothers would copy their exams, and <gasps> those would be available for future semesters when fraternity brothers would be taking a client, particular class or a particular professor. What? So you had access to uh, that professor's questions. Uh, and then if that attorney brother did particularly well on that exam, you had uh, had the correct answers if the professor chose not to change the question. Wow. So that, happened, that happened with regularity at the school. And that was back in the day before you could upload all of this stuff to Dropbox or to WhatsApp or to whatever these sites are. I think it was yeah. called Chegg or something. Where you could upload exams. Bo's like, yeah, I remember this. I just, I just. This would have been in the night, the late nineteen seventies and early eighties. Wow. I, I'm just over here sighing, and Beth saying why I did. <laughs> no, Cecil, thank you for the call. Now uh, it's interesting as we talk about this because you think about cheating in high school. Mm -hmm. Cheating in high school uh, can mean that someone uh, takes. Uh, takes a certain route to getting a grade that you know contributes to their grade point average that gets them into a school. Right. That's what I was saying. Like I may, I, I figured out the system better yeah. than I figured out all of the information. Like I would cram for an exam, but then I didn't necessarily remember but everything. I mean, so many people are talking about, well, you're learning life skills and what about things that you have to uh, be able to figure out when you get to be an adult? There's a difference in in because I, I do, I do believe there's a degree of karma here. I mean, oh, why, yeah. why is it that you and me didn't report every cheater that we ever knew? Because you can't. There are too many of them, and in the end, you believe it'll catch up with you. I know people who cheated when I was in high school and even earlier than that. And you know what? Years later, they didn't quite uh, 
turn out the way I think they thought they would. They didn't quote unquote make the grade. So, yeah, right. So it will catch up with you. But by the same token, what about the people that are cheating their way through high school and even in college to get in grad school and they get in a grad school or a college that somebody who didn't cheat does not? Well, so here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this and, and tie it to something in current events right now. We're talking about the Alec Murdoch trial. Mm-hmm. Um, his son was kicked out of school. Uh, his older son was allegedly kicked out of school for plagiarism. You know, like the people who, who, who think they can cheat their way through lives, like you were just saying, karma comes back at some point, And the universe kind of takes care of making sure that that... Because you can't, you, 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 eventually it's going to catch up to you. You're right. Eventually, though, karma will catch up. But what if you and that person are right there at that moment? Uh, you got two people who are lined up, and the college has got to choose which one they want. And the person who cheated has a percentage point higher grade point average, and they get in and you don't. Mm. That's where, so you, you can sort of, uh, you can rationalize this by saying what's going to happen ultimately, but in the moment, that's it where it, that's where it's unfair, and that's where it's a big deal. Right. Well, what you hope is that there is a divine plan and that you didn't get into that school because you were supposed to go to the other school you applied to because you were supposed to meet that best friend and the husband you were about to marry. It's that old, uh, well, <laughs> one door closed, so another one opens. So the, yeah. But that door opened because you cheated. Yeah. See? But maybe the cheating led to a positive for you, ultimately. I'm looking for the silver lining here, Ultimately. That's my whole point, is if you're saying ultimately yes, then in the end it all comes out in the wash. Yeah. But The whole point is we don't like cheaters. Right. This is the Good Morning BT Podcast. As the great V-Man once said... The lines are loaded, John Moore. Yeah. 704-570-1110. Talking about cheating in the information age. 2023. You know, I have kids. Uh, we were both students, obviously, Beth. We've talked to teachers. We've talked to principals. We talked to a student walking into high school this walking, morning. Walking into school. So uh, everybody, everybody is welcome here at the big, giant audio water cooler that is Good morning, BT. In fact, uh, let's tap into it right now. Mark, you're on WBT. Hi. Hey, I want to sort of take your opinion on a different direction, but, uh, you know, athletes with uh, performance enhancing, uh, you know, it's become so competitive that students and parents are reaching out to have their kids on things like Vivance, Adderall, those things so that they can keep up uh, to perform better, focus better. Uh, just wanted to sort of get your take on on that direction of the the cheating. So it's kind of like steroids for the brain, right? Because it's so competitive now that people are saying, hey, I I can't do this on my own. I need a little enhanced version of me. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I know this topic strictly education, but it does flow over into the workplace as well. You'd be probably be surprised at the amount of people in the workforce who are uh, on performing enhancing, uh, you know, uh, by Vance and those type of things there to to get an edge on the person next to them. So I don't think it it, it starts in school, but I don't think it starts in school. And that's a form of cheating, if you ask me. Not everyone has access to it. Right, right. I've never heard of Vivance. Is it like Adderall? 
Yeah, it's, it just meant to help you focus. And I mean, I, I transparency. I I used to make double of what my wife makes. She she's on it, and she, now she makes uh, well more than I do. So she wow, uh, it works. I can tell a different center whenever she's on it, when she's not. Now I remember, I remember even back when I was in school. I remember people who who took Adderall who needed it. You know, who who yeah. took it for whether it be like ADHD or something like that. And I remember people. Asking those people for an Adderall to study for finals or to – I remember people doing that. And that's funny because I didn't think about that as yeah, a form of old days, of it used to be caffeine pills and things like that. Oh, yeah. That, Do you remember yeah. that episode of Saved by the Bell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. She was addicted to caffeine pills. But it's a real thing. And, it definitely gives you an edge. And, you know, to me, that's a form of cheating. And somewhere – Somewhere there's a movie producer this past weekend who made $20 million because he made a movie called Cocaine Bear. (laughs) It's actually Elizabeth Banks. It's a woman. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm sad to admit that I went to see that. Was it good? Uh, No. Oh. (laughs) But you paid the money. Yeah. Exactly. Mark, thanks for calling, man. You know, that's a great question. There are – so – Here's here's the thing, Bo. This is going to be a lot of verbal vomit coming from from the Beth brain. Um, I have this like I love to read. That was a promo for the show, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I love 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 to read, and one of my biggest fears is that I'm not going to live long enough to read all the books. And I know that I'll never read all of the books. Like if you go into a library, there's no way. But I'm, how are you and me even friends? <laughs> I'm 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 stressed out about not getting to read all the books, and I have I haven't completed a book since uh, my last year of college. Oh, see, I I, I want to complete as many as possible, and I've wondered. I don't take any drugs or medications or anything like that, but I've wondered sometimes if if I if my brain were given Adderall, like how many books could I finish in a day? <laughs> could I finish like seven books in a day? Is that what that does? Is it what it does? Does anybody know? I don't know, obviously. But I will tell you this. I'm I'm kidding. I've I've read books, but I just take (laughs) this is the difference between you and me. You want to read as many full, whole books. Look, my wife reads like three books a weekend. So, like, Mm. she's like you are. And I know many people like to devour books. My problem is, and here we go technology is my enemy here, or maybe it's not. uh, But my Kindle on my phone, on my phone and my my, uh, tablet. My Kindle has like 200 books, all of which I've read one chapter of. They're all open at the same time. It's because I have a short attention span. So maybe you need Adderall. Like, that's the thing. Maybe if you had Adderall, you'd be able to finish all the books in one weekend. Or maybe I just need a radio show. When I get bored, I can move on to the next topic. (laughs) This job is perfect for you, Bo Thompson. Hey, Steve, welcome to WBT. What's going on, Steve? Hey, good morning to you. Hey. Um, Uh. That Adderall does do something. It will help you focus. I, um, my one of my children had to have some, and you know when they when they were taking it, I said, "Well, I want to see what this is," and it makes you smarter for a little while, anyway. So, so you took it. You tried it. Oh, sure, I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm from at, the. I, I was uh, my high school uh, was back in the '60s. We tried everything. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 Steve! Well, you're I mean, in the flower power but era. But, you, but you're missing yeah. the point here. Uh, he took it, and look at the caliber of radio shows he calls. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Steve, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Let's get one more here. Eddie, you're on WBT. You're a high school basketball coach. Basketball coach would keep close range on us academically and oh. so he would instruct every one of our teachers that if we did anything inappropriate academically 
They reported to him immediately. Well, a guy named Ray did just that on my team. But the coach, instead of making him run wind sprints for the next practice, sat him on the sidelines, and for 30 minutes, Ray had to watch the rest of us run wind sprints. Well, that changed Ray's academic trajectory forever. He was the best student from that point on. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Oh, and that reinforces you. that there are some life lessons, like back to the oral test that I yes, spoke of. Yes, yes. There are ways to use old school tactics to combat the uh, technological advances in cheating. There are ways, but you have to think mm-hmm. really hard about it. Mm-hmm. And we're sort mm-hmm. of doing that together, right? We're thinking out loud today. Yes. Because uh, we don't usually stay with topics this long, but people want to talk about it. The lines are jammed. And I'm fascinated by the different versions of cheating. I had never considered never considered something like Adderall. And by the way, we're not promoting taking <laughs> Adderall to cheat. Um, I had never considered that as a form of cheating. It had never occurred to me. And I promise I'm going to get to this thing you were talking about that's yeah. made me think. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't had time yet because these pesky phone calls. We love them. I think Mr. Mellon should be expelled. This is the Good Morning BT podcast. What are you going to do about it? Well, Quentin, I'm only going to ask you this one time. Is the work that you turned in your own? I can't lie to you, Dean Martin. Yes, it is. We're still talking about cheating in school in 2023. Uh, This all stems from an article that we were talking about last hour that says uh, that basically uh, the genie can't go back in the bottle. Uh, Technology has made it so easy to cheat. And the pandemic even complicated it more with uh, with kids having to do remote schooling. And while that was good that teaching could happen, it also opened the floodgates and the avenues for ways that uh, kids could cheat. I can't I mean, I can't imagine because I I have kids being raised in the social media age. But being a student in the social media age and the age of technology, I I know when I was in school, uh, I know I know that people cheated Mm -hmm. when I was in college. I went to a school that had a had an honor code. They still do. Davidson has the honor code. It's not the only school. A lot of schools do. So that takes care of most of it. But they also have an honor council. And the reason you have an honor council is because there are still people that will do things uh, and break that code. Mm -hmm. And so any school that says that we have an honor code, that's not code for there's no cheating here. It's code for there's a system that's in place that holds people to a moral standard, but there's still going to be people that break that. And oftentimes there's a line in the sand, and when you reach that line, you push that line a little farther, and then you push it farther, and then suddenly it's an easy thing for your conscience to... uh, not do the right thing, unfortunately. You just said something uh, off the air uh, about, and I'm thinking, is this cheating or not? Because you said uh, there were times where I didn't read the whole book. Yeah. I, especially in college when I took literature classes, I uh, I don't read quickly. And I found out when I was in college that I'm dyslexic. I'm a high-functioning dyslexic. And so I don't read as quickly as a lot of people do. And so by the time it was time for the test or time for me to write the paper, I hadn't had enough time to read the whole book. And so was that cheating that I'm writing that paper or taking that test and I only read, you know, three quarters of a book? I didn't – I it ultimately, here's what I believe – is that I cheated myself because I'm missing out on I, – I, I've gone back and reread all of the books that were on my reading list from high school and college. Yes, I'm that much of a dork. 
Um, so, but I to make up for the fact that I had cheated myself by I not think, reading fast. I don't think it's cheating in that case. I think it's a gamble you're taking. You're taking a gamble. It's like when you uh, cliff notes. Yeah. Oh. 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 Cliff notes is not cheating. Is because, it not? Well, you're not being measured on whether you read the whole book. You're being measured on what you can recall from the like book. like reading comprehension. I right. still feel like cliff notes is cheating. I, I bought the cliff notes for books. I sometimes yeah. did it because I didn't necessarily understand yeah. the book. But you're taking <laughs> like crime and punishment. But, what was I reading? But that's a gamble you're taking. You're gambling that you hit the right notes. To, to, to ace the test or do well on the test. Yeah. That's different than getting a copy of the test. Yeah. I still still feel – but that's – that's see, I, my line in the sand is is I don't want to cheat myself. Mine's about my own ethical center, my own – and I felt like if I, I wasn't finishing those books, I was cheating myself well, in some and way. Well, I, I just got a, an email from a, or a text from a listener said, what would happen if an airline pilot cheated? What would happen if the surgeon doing your operation cheated? What would happen if the first responder cheated? There are real-life consequences to cheating. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, think about Alec Murdoch. Again, I'm going to bring it back to a current event. He you know, went through life and that line kept moving for him where he was cheating at different aspects of his life, including the, which he admitted on the stand, stealing money, cheating people out of money. And that I think his behavior that he learned transferred into his public life. This is where I, I worry about that argument that you brought up earlier about uh, and, I, and I did, too, the karma thing. Yeah. Eventually, it's going to get back to them. Well, what if the... <laughs> That that's that's basically uh, rationalizing it by saying they're going to get theirs down the line. But what about when you get yours because of what they didn't do and you're on the operating table? Yeah, that's what I worry about. Doug, Doug, you're on WBT. What's up, Doug? Hey, good morning. And thanks for taking my call. Of course. Yeah. So I I think it's, it's not just that we have an issue with cheating. I think the education system needs to take a different approach. And, and take the emphasis away from scoring people based on a right answer. Mm-hmm. Because the, it, it's too easy, regardless of which subject it is, whether it's a liberal arts subject or whether it's a math or a science subject, it's too easy to go out and find the answer. Mm-hmm. But, but instead, let's, let's start grading based on demonstrating that you you can do whatever it is that that truly needs to be measured and and make it about that measure measure the the thinking measure the mechanics of the math measure the mechanics of the science um you know one of the one of the best professors that i ever had um he he would he would give you an exam with maybe two or three questions on it in a physics class and, and you'd have two hours to do two or three questions, um, which seems like a lot, but it really wasn't. And then at the end, he would always tell you, look, it doesn't matter if you got the, the number answer right. As long as you're within a factor of 10, I'm, I'm looking to see, you know, did you go about this in the right way? Did you apply the right, the right thinking? Did you, did you apply the right formulas? Were you considering the right 
the right aspects of it. So See, it, Doug, I think you're the, onto the, something. The education system has just got to get away from thinking that everything is about an answer. Showing your work. It's mm-hmm. like it's the diagramming of the sentence. It's showing the long division. There was I took a college class kind of like what you're saying, but it was a political science class, and we had to show decision trees on how we came to the ultimate conclusion of, of, of our answer. So we've come back to this a couple of times over the last hour or so. In this case, with what you're talking about, showing your work. There are old school ways to combat new school cheating. Yeah. And And one of them is showing your work. That's like the dreaded phrase from math class that I hated. Okay. Uh, Not only do you have to answer the question, you have to show Show your work. Show your work. Carry the one. I still do it on receipts when I'm tipping. (laughs) Because of course you do. But I said last hour, uh, the hardest professor that I ever had in all my years of college was my freshman year. And it's because at the end of his wildly hard world history class, uh, the, the, the... I think it was 50% of your grade was based on a 15-minute oral test. I love it. I love it. 15 minutes. And I remember thinking, wow, you're going to make 15 minutes count for that much of the grade. But now it actually seems brilliant in, mm-hmm. you know, with the parameters and constraints of, of 2023's technology because you can't beat that. Right. You can't. You can't beat knowledge coming from your brain right out of your mouth. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is a great topic, and uh, I love the show. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Hey, how are you? Hey, good morning, Bowen Beth. This is Greg over here at Oakhurst Pharmacy. You're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Good morning. Good morning, God. I'm huge fans listening to you guys on the way to work. But we just mm. want to tell you guys we love you guys. You're awesome. Oh, thank you. We love you. <laughs> Bowen Beth, you two crazy characters are driving Charlotte crazy. <laughs> Well, I think we have forgotten how to laugh at ourselves. You know, I think it was one of the best skills my mom ever taught me. She used to say, Beth, you got to learn to laugh at yourself because nobody's ever going to be laughing at you. They'll be laughing with you. Well, she is smiling down on you right now. (laughs) She'll make endless fun of me. (laughs) The best moments of the week on demand for your weekend. This is the best of Good Morning BT podcast. Country. 704-570. 1110. In the weeds. In the weeds, in the woods. If I, um, I hate saying stuff live out there, I don't know. Did he not, did he marry a former Charlotte Hornets cheerleader? Yes. I All right, you're okay. correct. Charlotte Bobcats cheerleader. Oh, Bobcats, even more obscure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, I did not know this. Yeah. I love when I just say stuff live on the air. Hope I'm right. <laughs> Jason Ald- no, that was Clay Walker. <laughs> Jason Aldean is coming to PNC Music Pavilion on Thursday, August 10th, 704-570-1110. When we have tickets to give away, you know what we do. Name that Jason. And what's going to happen is I'm going to give you two Jasons. If you get to the second Jason, you got to name one correctly. You get that one right, then you move on to the next Jason. And if you win, if you get to two Jasons correct in a row, then you will win the tickets. If you don't get... The first Jason right, then it goes on to the next person. So, but what you're saying is you have to get a Jason first and then get a second Jason. <laughs> and if you win the ticket, you'll say, thanks, man. 704-570-1110. We want to play Name That Jason with you. Are the phones broken? I don't know what's going on. Here we go. 704-570-1110. I thought this was going to be really easy. Country fans are hungover usually because they've been out late, uh, out of Coyote Joe's, so they're just now waking up. Coyote Joe's. You know, 
I can't remember the last time I was at Coyote Joe's. I remember exactly the last time I was at Coyote Joe's. Who played? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you I remember went, exactly had a good time, <laughs> when I was there. You went for open night night? <laughs> I don't know who played. But what were I, you wearing? <laughs> I actually do know what I was wearing. Red boots. I didn't I know. But I rode the bull. Is there a bull there? But you don't Maybe know I, who was playing? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I, rode, I rode the bull. Is there a bull there? Were you in a movie? Maybe I was. Maybe you were in a movie. It wasn't Coyote Jeff. That was Urban Cowboy you were watching. Do <laughs> you know I've been here for 28 years? I've never been to Coyote Joe's. Ah, never really? been. Is the, is the Palomino Club still a thing? Oh. Maybe that's where I was. 704-570-1110. So uh, the Jason Aldean Highway Desperado Tour. Special guests Mitchell Tenpenny and Corey Kent, PNC Music Pavilion, on Thursday, August 10th. Your chance to win tickets right now at 704-570-1110. Let's welcome Steve to News Talk 1110 WBT. Steve wants to try to win some Jason Aldean tickets. Good morning, Steve. Hey, how you doing? We're All great. Right. We hope you are. Are you ready for your yeah, first yeah. you ready for your first Jason to name? Name that Jason? Yes, sir. All right, here is Jason number one. Fight comes, we'll need you. Don't count on the Batman. Why not? Because I don't like you coming here, digging into my business, getting into my life. I want to be left alone. Is that way you do this? Hey, help these people out here in the middle of nowhere? I've read the stories. Your good deeds, you think no one sees? You'll join us. Strong man as strong as alone. You ever heard that? You ever hear of Superman? He died fighting next to me. My point exactly. He believed we were stronger together. We owe it to him. I don't owe anyone anything. Alright, he says he doesn't owe anybody anything. Steve, do you okay. know which Jason that is? Uh, no, not really. Uh, they, uh, Jason Patrick? That is not Jason Patrick, I'm sorry. That is not Jason Patrick. I thought I thought that was going to be a pretty easy one to start out with. Maybe I'm stumping people now. Are you looking at me because you don't know? I actually, I think I know who that one is. I think this is one of the ones I suggested to yeah, you. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and... He he's he. Uh, I'm trying to think if it's the if it's who I think it is. A, a hint for this one. Um, his no, I can't. Ben Affleck is talking to him. Yes, Ben Affleck is talking to him in this particular clip. Uh, Bruce Wayne is talking to him in this particular clip. So uh, that's about as much as I'm going to give you. I don't want to. Get, I don't want to make it too easy here. But again, the the point is, you call 704-570-1110. You get one right, and then you move on to the next one. You get that one right, then you win the ticket. So right there, he got the first one wrong. So now this particular one is on the board. Roll that real quick again, John. Fight comes, we'll need you. Don't count on it, Batman. Why not? Because I don't like you coming here, digging into my business, getting into my life. I want to be left alone. I want to be left alone, he says. That's the guy. The guy who says, I want to be left alone. He's, uh, the ladies love him. Let's just, we'll put it that way. The ladies love him. That's the best hint I can give. I'll give you another hint. And this one may not mean anything. Baywatch Hawaii. Oh, that one doesn't mean anything to me, but I did not know that. First show he was ever on where he was a star. No way. Not kidding. Richard, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT on line one. Richard, uh, real quick, do you know who this is? Yes. Yeah, it's Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa is correct. All right. Jason Momoa, you're you're halfway home, actually. Yay! Are you ready for number two? Yes, sir. Let's do it. If you get this one right, then you are on your way to see Jason Aldean 
coming up later this summer. Here is the next Jason that he has to identify. How much can you tell me about Deep Throat? How much do you need to know? You trust him? Yeah. I can't do the reporting for my reporters, which means I have to trust them. And I hate trusting anybody. Run that, baby. All right, Richard, who is that Jason? Oh, my God, man. Oh, man. I don't know, man. You want to take a guess? Uh, oh, man. How about, how about, how about, I get a hint? Can I get a hint? Uh, um, he is no longer with us. Is that right? <laughs> that is true. He's no longer with There's us. There's a massive hint in the very, very first thing that he said. Roll that again, John Moore. How much can you tell me about Deep Throat? How much do you need to know? All right. Nothing? I got nothing, ma'am. Uh, oh, Richard. Sorry, Richard. Thanks for hanging on for us. Oh, boy. Micah. Micah on line two is on News Talk 1110 WBT as we play Name That Jason for Jason Aldean tickets. you got to name a, another famous Jason not named Aldean, 704-570-1110 if you want to get on board here. Micah, how you doing? Doing well. I've got no clue, that is. Oh, oh no. Man. Do you want to hear it one more time for the hint? No, because it's still won't help. Thank you, Micah. Thanks for calling. Nobody knows oh, who this wow. Jason See, I thought this was going to be. Roll that again, John Moore. How much can you tell me about Deep Throat? How much do you need to know? You trust him? Yeah. I can't do the reporting for my reporters, which means I have to trust them. And I hate trusting anybody. Run that, baby. Run that baby. Run that baby. See, I always I try to plug in convenient hints yes, where, where needed. And that's the perfect hint is the beginning of that one. Oh, the lines are lighting up. People right. know who this is now. Let's go to Matthew on line one. Hi, Matthew. Hello. Hi, Matthew. Do you do you know who our who our latest Jason is? Do I need to play it for you? I believe it's Jason Robards. Jason Robards. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Well done. Ooh, very All right. good. Matthew, you're halfway home. Got to name one more Jason to win the tickets. John Moore, let's get number yeah. one, actually. All right. All right. Here is the next Jason to identify Matthew. Marty. What are you doing here? I wanted to make sure you were okay. I heard about that truck assault on the radio. Okay. They're saying that it was mob-related, yeah, but it time. feels more like cartel to me. You're going to have to go, okay? You can tell me, was this us? There is no us. What's this? It's a car. It's a transformer, and I spoke to you about conspicuous spending. Send this back. Now, see, Marty, that's your problem. You, you are always trying to control everything. Got it. Loosen up a little sparkle in your step. Please get back in the toy and leave. Now, okay. Listen, <laughs> I think we experienced a real breakthrough in our last session. I don't. I'm kicked out of the house. That just means we're going somewhere good. No, disagree. Hey, Sue. Everything okay? <laughs> okay. So, uh, Matthew, uh, who is the lady talking to? Which Jason is that? Oh, these Jasons are tough. Uh, no clue. Oh, oh no. Matthew. I'm sorry, Matthew. I thought that was going to be significantly easier. Uh, John Moore was nodding his head. Yeah. All right, Bert is on News Talk 1110 WBT. Name that Jason. How you doing, Bert? Doing fine. How about y'all? We're, We're good. We're awesome. Uh, so we have a Jason on the board right now. Do you need a, a little taste of it? Uh, try Jason Roll Bars. 
Well, that was the last one. That's <laughs> not oh, Jason I'm Robo. Sorry. I missed that one. Oh, well, then we'll play it for you again. We'll play uh, it for this, you this again. Is, this, is, this is the one that's on the board right now. Marty. Here we go. What are you doing here? I wanted to make sure you were okay. I heard about that truck assault on the radio. Okay. They're saying that it was mob-related, yeah, but it time. feels more like cartel to me. You're going to have to go, okay? You can tell me, was this us? There is no us. What's okay. this? Okay, the lady is talking to a, a Jason right there. Do you know who that one is? I've got no clue. I am so sorry. Oh, Bert, don't be sorry. We're sorry. And, uh, welcome back. We're giving away Jason Aldean tickets coming to PNC Music Pavilion on Boy, August 10th. All you got to do is name that Jason. Famous Jasons other than Aldean. Got to win two in a row or name two in a row to win the tickets. If you name one, or should I say you get one wrong, then it goes on to the next person. They have to get it. It's what we do. It's the uh, game show Sweeping the Nation, and people have been uh, lined up, ready to go here. Let's see. Let's bring Shane on here. Shane, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT on Line 5. Hey, Shane. All right, Shane, uh, we have a Jason on the board. Do you need to hear that Jason again? I think I have it. All right, I'm going to give you just a a short little taste of it because some listeners may not have heard this. Here we go, John Moore. Marty. What are you doing here? I wanted to make sure you were okay. I heard about that truck assault on the radio. Okay. They're saying that it was mob-related, but it feels more like cartel. All right, so who's the lady talking to there, Shane? The Jason Bateman. That is correct. That Way is correct. Now, if we really had a problem with this, I was going to go like really old school and say, here, here would have been a hint. Oh, here we are, face to face, a couple of silver spoons. Because, you know, Ricky's buddy <laughs> or, or nemesis was Derek, who was played by a childlike Jason Bateman. Okay. All right, so Shane, you're halfway home here. It's time for the next Jason. Uh, John Moore, let's get Jason number. Oh, I like this, Jay. Jason number four. This may be my favorite Jason in the whole. Oh, bit. is this the one I think it is? Probably so. I'm so excited, Shane. My name's uh, Brandon Walsh. Brandon Walsh. Scotch or Irish? Both, actually. By way of Minnesota. Listen, what you did to those two Nimrods back there was great. Yeah, well, I just don't believe in winning through intimidation. Unless, of course, I'm doing the intimidating. Are you hungry? <laughs> I got next period off. We go grab a bite. Yeah, let's do lunch. Don't see much water in Minnesota. Lots of lakes, no oceans. All right, Shane, which Jason is that? Oh, come on. Uh, you got this, Shane. I'm going to give you a How about this right here? No, nothing, nothing, Shane. Ah, uh, I got nothing. On oh that. no, Shane! Oh, I thought he would have that one. That's my favorite Jason in the bunch. You look like this Jason, actually. <laughs> People used to tell me in high school I reminded them of this Jason. Well, yeah, because you're a good boy. <laughs> I'm a good boy. You're a good boy. You're such a good boy. <laughs> yes, I am a dog. Uh, Glenn, Glenn is on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Glenn. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, Glenn, we're great. All right, we have a Jason on the board. We're here. here. We're here. You ready? You there? Uh, We're there. One more time. Can you hear me, Glenn? 
Yes, I can hear you. All right, this is the uh, Jason you need to hear right My now. My name's uh, Brandon Walsh. Brandon Walsh. I have Scotch or Irish? Say what? I knew the I knew the first three, but I don't know that one. Don't, oh no! You don't Glenn. know who Dylan's talking to right there? Uh, Jason Westbrook, how's that? No, oh, not, that's a good guess, though. Oh, so it's, it's not Jason Westbrook. All right. Let's go to uh, John on line two. John, welcome to WBT. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, I know who the guy is. I can picture him. I, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. You, you can uh, see the sideburns, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jason Voorhees. No! No, no. Wow, Brandon Walsh is going to be offended. I know. (laughs) You just called him an axe murderer. All right, let's go to Fox. Fox is on line one. Hi, Fox. Jason Priestley. Yes! Way to go. All right. Stop yelling into the microphone. All right, so I'm going to go. uh, Watch what I'm going to do here. Hey, Fox, uh, here is the second Jason. It's number two, John Moore. It's actually someone someone speaking on behalf of the Jason I want you to identify. All right, here we go. Oh, my sweet, innocent Jason. My only child. You never paid any attention. Look what you did to him. Look what you did to him. (laughs) All right, Fox, who is the Jason she is referring to? I'm lost on this one, buddy. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Those last two callers, the last two callers that they had teamed up. Dwayne, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, how are you guys? We're, We're awesome, Dwayne. All right, do you know who she was talking about? Jason Myers. No, oh, I see what I see what you did. You mixed two you, guys up. You just did a you did a Halloween hybrid. You did, but it's the wrong one. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. Y'all, this is way harder. Jasons are hard. Yeah. This. Let's go to traffic right now, why don't we? Here's Pam Warner. <laughs> hey, Pam. I'm just dying over here. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do this to me. <laughs> John, we might, we might need to get a commercial. All right. But that's, I can't really do that to Jeff either. Uh, let's go to a commercial and let's collect ourselves here. You want to do that? All right. We'll be right back. All right. It's back. The game show that's sweeping the nation. And trust me, it swept through the 7 o'clock hour. <laughs> I left for one hour. <laughs> I am telling you. No. All heck broke loose. It really did. 704-570-1110. You know the rules here. Name that Jason for Jason Aldean tickets. And uh, Aldean is coming to PNC Music Pavilion on Thursday, August 10th with special guests Mitchell Tenpenny and Corey Kent. And so what you have to do is uh, name two Jasons that we have here with uh, other last names. They may be from the world of politics, maybe from... Hollywood, maybe from sports, but we got uh, a strong list of Jasons here, and we have one on the board right now. 
that has yet to be identified. Let's bring Michelle. You're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Michelle. Good morning, y'all. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good. Oh, my God. How are y'all doing? Oh, we're so great. good. Okay, so we have a Jason on the board, and actually this Jason can't speak for himself. So uh, his mother is speaking for him. Here we go. Oh, my sweet, innocent Jason. My only child. You never paid any attention. Right, Michelle, Michelle, who is that? Who is she talking about? Jason Voorhees. Yes! yes! Way to go! Yes, well played, well played. Oh, so proud of you, Michelle. All right. I mean, y'all had me at the music, so. Yes. Yeah. Right? The <laughs> yeah. All right, here it comes, here it comes. Let it build before we go to the next one. Okay. Oh, it's so creepy. <laughs> All right, Michelle, you are halfway home to win Jason Aldean tickets. Are you ready for the next Jason? I am. All right, John Moore, I need number seven. And this is Jason number seven on my list. We'll see if it's number one on Michelle's list. Here we go. It's so hard here. Brian, everywhere I look, I'm reminded of her, okay? Like, she got me this. Okay? Because I would always leave my cereal boxes open, and the cereal would get stale. And so one day I came home and she had this waiting for me, because it keeps my cereal fresh. And now I have the freshest cereal. Why don't you, you know what, go, go on a vacation. Go to the Alps. But Alps? Go to Stad. It's the best. I could go to Hawaii. Sarah was always talking about this place in Hawaii that was no, supposed to no, be nice. No. I wouldn't go there. What, I can't go to Hawaii now because Sarah Marshall has heard of Hawaii? You can go to Hawaii. Go to Hawaii. Do it. Okay, Michelle, who who is that Jason? Jason Siegel. Yes! And we have a winner. Michelle, you are awesome. Congratulations! This is the best of Bo and Beth. On to Matt. The court found at the end of the state's case that there's sufficient evidence to find the defendant guilty if the evidence um, was believed by the jury. Uh, likewise, at the end of the, the uh, defense's case, when the motion was renewed, the court um, found that the evidence was sufficient for the jury to find the defendant guilty. The jury has now considered the evidence um, for a significant period of time, and um, the evidence of guilt is overwhelming, and uh, I deny the motion. The, Mr. Murdoch, you now having been found guilty of two counts of murder involving your wife and your son, two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. Uh, the burden now comes upon the court to impose a sentence. Now, that was Judge Clifton Newman addressing the court after the verdict was was read. And, of course, as we said, uh, Alec Murdoch guilty of killing his wife and son. And now in the studio with us, uh, I, I can't believe you're here today, man. I, I don't know how you slept last night. Right. I didn't, really. Uh, how many cups of coffee have you had this morning? I have a few in. It was more <laughs> like the Red Bulls to get home last night at 1230 or whatever it was. Wow. Matt Harris from the Matt Ramona Show on Mix 107.9 and, of course, the Impact of Influence podcast and has followed this story uh, since the beginning. 
passing uh, of Alec Murdoch and his family. Uh, you were in the courtroom yesterday when, when yes. uh, he was uh, talking to the court, as we just heard. And, and so uh, I, I got to say, I got to ask, uh, are, are, you, are you surprised at the verdict and, and surprised about how quickly it came? That was the main surprise was how quickly it came. I don't think anybody would be surprised by the guilty, but the fact that it was that quick was, uh, we were all amazed. I mean, we, it just came on, I was recording a podcast, which was going to be about closing arguments, mm-hmm. and I'm just waiting for it to upload, and then we're sitting at this restaurant, and I see two of the defense attorneys there, and they jump up and grab their stuff and start running, and we're like, I guess Eaton, we got to start running, <laughs> and uh, ran down to the courthouse and got in there, and, and it was, here a pin drop. Yeah. Um, and then he got handcuffed and turned around and mouthed, I love you to Buster. Buster was, I was right behind Buster. Um, Buster didn't show any outward emotion. His girlfriend was crying. Alex's uh, sister was upset, but not like crying, but you could tell she was upset. Uh, and her husband was there too. Randy and John Marvin, his other brothers, were not there, but it's very possible they had got home thinking it was going to be longer, yeah. right? And he didn't because we had very little warning. Um, and then, then it came down, and then it was a madhouse. I mean, the jury deliberated for less than three hours. When I heard that a verdict had come in, my initial thought was, that, oh, he has to be guilty yeah. if they, if, for it to happen that quickly. Of course, yeah. Was he, that your gut? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we knew that everybody knew it was going to be maybe two, and, and how much? how long would they fight? Uh, the word was that, uh, they, the, the uh, judge or the bailiff or whatever came in and asked him if they wanted dinner. Uh, and they said, uh, now we just need 10 more minutes. So and the first vote, from what I understand, the way they do it in South Carolina, at least is you vote, you don't argue anything. First you vote. So it was nine or I'm sorry, 11 to one. Uh, and then apparently didn't take t- long to talk that one out of it to convince that person yeah Yeah. now what did you think yesterday when we were on our show talking to bill graham our legal expert when the breaking news happened that one of the jurors was dismissed Mm -hmm. for having conversations with somebody do you know the details behind what created that chaos and she wanted her eggs she wanted her eggs (laughs) she wanted her eggs the joke that it made was uh, she brought eggs because she thought they might hatch by the time the actual <laughs> trial was over. Um, uh, well, I mean, there's all kinds of we know well, we know because he acknowledged it. Her ex-husband had tweeted some things, but the judge said that had nothing to do with it. I think she wanted it to be her ex-husband because um, she said it was my ex-husband. He's like that had nothing. To, we, I heard about that, but it had nothing to do with it. Um, but apparently, she had conversations with two people um, about the case. He didn't get in how deep. Sled investigated. It was. Two or three days ago, I guess three days ago at this point, and Sled investigated, talked to those people. And then what's crazy is to me is they bring her in all by herself, packed courthouse. It was jammed because this was going to be the final day. And so she comes out with this, has to stand there, hear the judge read off all these things and say she wants her eggs. But the word on the street was I've been hearing it for a couple days. Then last, or I've been losing track of days, but whatever, before she was kicked off, uh, word was she was a Murdoch person. And once she got the boot and was replaced with this other juror, everybody's like, it's done. And that was the night before all this happened. And I think that's one of the reasons why Harputlian objected to her being booted as strenuously as he did. Because he went, uh, he said, this is, I don't know if I quote in front of me, but something like this is another... Uh, ridiculous move by Sled, because uh, they 
did the interview, so Arpunlian feels they wanted her kicked off, is what he's implying anyway. So we'll see if that comes in play in any appeals type thing. But yeah, so she, yeah, that was a, the night before with all the buzz was he's, he's in trouble now that she's out. So again, Matt oh, Harris wow. was in the courtroom yesterday, as he's been for a lot of this, but he was there yesterday when the verdict was read. So once it was read and he was led out of the room, talk to me uh, in the few seconds we have left about the atmosphere there, not only in the courtroom, but outside it. Okay, so the, uh, the bailiff had come up before, right. really sternly said, I do not want to hear any reaction, whether you agree with this, disagree with this, I don't want to hear a woo or blah, blah, blah. So here. And, uh, and there was... I, I would say 20 law enforcement type individuals, maybe 15 to 20. And it wasn't a full courthouse because you know, people didn't in the courtroom. Um, and uh, they were all right. He says, and you will be arrested or escorted out or whatever. Uh, outside, uh, the crowd started to gain momentum after it was read. Yeah. Of course, the, the press tents were all still set up. I went back to the restaurant where I left all my stuff uh, and asked them what the deal was. They said it got real quiet. And then they announced it. And there was massive cheering and things. Uh, and then so, you know, they came out and did their press conference. But inside the courtroom, I got to tell you, and I, I talked to a couple people that were there, and they were not Murdoch camp people. But they, both of them were like, we were surprised that we didn't feel any joy about this because we didn't like him or whatever. But when you're in that room and you see Buster, uh-huh. you know, Buster, you got to feel for the kid, right? He's not a kid. He's an adult, but... Still, um, and, and, and just the family, and you start to realize how much has come undone. Well, and that this is not a movie. Right. This, I mean, it seems like it in so many ways right. because of the coverage, uh, and, and as much as you've been immersed in this, but, but this is real life. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a human so, being. Think about this real quick. Yes, think about this real quick. Any place else in the world or country where someone has been convicted in, of murder in the courthouse where their dad granddad and great-granddad had sentenced people to prison yes. for murder. Yes, what I was saying that earlier. Mm-hmm. Like the, Insane. The, it, it, and he's standing in that room and that the entire legacy of that name has now been shattered. Yeah. Matt, uh, tremendous work. I, 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 thank you. I will thank talk you. more. I know you've got to decompress, but uh, thanks for coming in yes, this morning. Yes, thank you. And, more podcast uh, episodes coming out. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. going to be the, post, the post-trial stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah. so I'm sure for you, there's much more to come. So that's yep. great thanks, news. Guys. Uh, impact of influence. And now he's got to go back to the Matt and Ramona show because he's uh, multitasking as we speak. Every weekend on demand, this is the best of Beth and Bo podcast. Welcome to Friday, March 3rd. From the Tyboid Studio, it's Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. And one of those Fridays where there are many top stories, Beth Troutman. Yes, that's so true. And this one, I think, is is hitting Charlotte and um, giving us all the feels, I think. Jerry Richardson, the big cat, as many people called him, the founder, the original owner of the Carolina Panthers and the man responsible for bringing an NFL franchise to Charlotte, North Carolina, and the Carolinas passed away yesterday at the age of 86. Of course, Jerry Richardson, uh, several years back, had a heart transplant. Uh, We know that Jerry Richardson sold the team to David Tepper back in 2018. And when you talk about the legacy of Jerry Richardson, uh, it's complicated. Very complicated. To say the least. But uh, I want to start here the way I try to whenever I can. They have a big story like this. October 25th, 1993. Very important day, the most important day in the history of the franchise, because that's the day that Charlotte was awarded an NFL team. 
And I want to go back to how this radio station sounded on that day in 1993. We're going to pick it up here in Chicago. This was the then commissioner of the NFL, Paul Tagliabu, with a guy named Jerry Richardson standing right beside him. And uh, I think you'll recognize some other voices uh, in this piece of audio. I met with the uh, representatives of the other four cities and those ownership groups just a few minutes ago and explained that uh, to them and personally spoke with them and answered some questions that they had. At this point, I think I'd introduce uh, Jerry Richardson. You're listening to live coverage of the NFL franchise announcement from Chicago where uh, the Carolina Panthers have been named the NFL's newest expansion team. Live coverage here on News Radio 1110 WBT. And Jerry Richardson is, Richardson is just about ready to speak uh, to the uh, the gathered multitudes in Chicago shaking hands now with Paul Tagliabu, who you just heard moments ago made the announcement that we've been uh, waiting for for weeks. And uh, on this one day alone, it seemed like forever. Here's Jerry Richardson from Chicago. Um, I think the first thing I'd like to say that obviously this is a this is a dream come true for me and my partners, who are many of are here tonight, and especially uh, a dream come th uh, true for. Uh, 10 million people back in the Carolinas that have gone to bat for us and worked every, well, been with us every step of the way, and I'm very grateful for that. And also, if there's a, I don't know where there's a camera that looks like it's from the Carolinas, but I want to talk to that camera if I could. All of you people that bought all of those 40,000 plus PSLs, you helped make history today. Pat yourself on the back. When I get back to Charlotte, I'm going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Richardson, ladies and gentlemen, with a new franchise. Now, that right there is the voice of Paul Cameron yeah. uh, from WBTV, their sports guy at the time. Uh, and then you heard John Stokes right there, uh, our own John Stokes, breaking the story. Uh, of course, uh, he's a Hall of Famer and was the morning anchor here for many, many years, uh, and, and a lot of which when, when I was still here. But uh, to hear his voice, 1993, um, and, and it was an all-hands-on-deck moment where uh, they've been talking about this for years and years. But I, I think it was almost surreal that, wow, the NFL is really coming here. I was in high school. I remember when this happened. I was, uh, I, I guess, in 93, I would have been a sophomore at Concord High School. And I remember thinking, holy moly, how did Charlotte become cool enough that we have an NFL team? Like, when did that happen? When did we become such a huge metropolis? And, you know, then suddenly... I was sitting in 1996, I was sitting at that first game at Clemson. I was sitting there with my dad watching this team play and thinking, how is this, like, how cool is this? And I still, even though we are far into the, the Panthers franchise, I still think of us as this brand new team. And I know that we're not. I remember when they first unveiled the logo. I remember feeling like, man, we've really arrived as a city. And quite frankly, without Jerry Richardson and his dedication to putting the team here in Charlotte, I think that was a big part of why Charlotte became the huge banking and business hub that it has become. I mean, it really put us on a different kind of map. And then I remember when Erickson, it was called Erickson Stadium, when mm -hmm. Erickson Stadium became a thing and those big Panthers were out there at the entranceway. And then you would drive down 77 and you would see that stadium. And I would, I still kind of get cold chills when I drive past that stadium because it makes our skyline look 
so darn cool. And, you know, regardless of the complexities of and, you know, and there are so many that go along with Jerry Richardson's story and how the team became, um, you know, owned by by David Tepper. There are a lot of um, negative headlines that went along with that. But the, the really positive thing that we have to remember is 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 he put he helped put this city on the global map that people across the country and around the world know Charlotte as a as a as a hub. The Hornets were a big deal when the NBA came here. And you you have to say that the NFL would never have come here without the NBA first. Without the Hornets, that's true. But to your point, when the NFL came here, the NFL is the granddaddy of them all. I mean, the the NFL is the biggest, not only in sports, but if you look at weekly television ratings during the the season, uh, NFL games are regularly... Uh, almost one through ten. Uh, it's, it's the biggest thing on television yep. still. And so when the NFL came here, yep. that's when you kind of looked around and go, okay, all right, I think we've arrived. Yep, Charlotte has arrived. And uh, he was mentioning in that first clip, the uh, the commissioner, about the other team. The other team that would be named later would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. I had forgotten that they weren't both named on the same day. You know, Beth, there are not that many guests that we have on that have their own intros. Mm-hmm. But that is the case for the one Eugene Robinson from the Carolina Panthers and from Charlotte Today on uh, WCNC and one of our favorite people around here. Eugene, good morning. Thanks for joining us. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really somber time. Typically when you, you know, when you play the intro, it's all hyped up and whatnot. And, but when I'm reflecting back on, you know, what we're going to talk about, you know, Mr. Richardson, it just it's just more somber for me yeah um, right now and, and 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 it just feels it just feels that way i mean uh i don't know if the foreshadow of the rain and the clouds but it kind of feels that way inside for me a little bit so thinking about mr richardson you know as i was uh i had just heard the news yesterday that he had passed away and just moments later you texted me and said you know mr richardson has passed and my heart is broken and i I, um, I I I immediately said like I wish that I could just jump through this phone and give you a gigantic hug because your your experience with him is very uh, personal and very very heartfelt. Tell us a little bit about your relationship because he knew about you before you knew about him. Yeah, when I got to come here and, and play for the, the the Panthers and they um, they allowed me to go and play for the team. Uh, Mr. Richardson had to sign off on me, and I didn't know I didn't know who he was. And so when I got down to do my uh, to do my workout, as I'm working out, this this older guy with uh, white hair says, "Hey man, come on ahead in, in the golf cart with me." Right? And I'm like this. Oh, so I'm just sitting there watching practice, waiting for the practice to end. And as we were sitting there, I we I just started cutting up, laughing and joking, and we just started. I just started hitting him with jokes and football stories and that. And so he's laughing like just hysterically. The practice ends. And then he gets ready to go on the field. As we're going on the field, he's going on this circuitous route. I'm like, you're supposed to go stay within the lines. I'm saying, I said, oh, dude, you got to stay within the lines. You just can't just walk on the door on the field. He goes on the field, drops me off where I need to be at. And when as Reggie White and Doug Evans, who guys who I've known, was coming towards me, they all went past me and went to Mr. Richardson and said, hey, hey, big cat. That was my first encounter with him. But I didn't know that he knew me way before that in Seattle. Wow. I didn't know that he uh, was actually following in my career. I had I had no idea. I had no idea that he even even liked me. And coming from Atlanta and coming off the big uh, spill that I I came off, that now to have him endorse me or want me to be a part of his team, I thought that was humbling. So 
that moment, all that moment spoke more volumes to me than anything because, you know, you know, you're when you make a huge mistake, you know, that's public like I did, you become a pariah. You become somebody like, hey, let me just stay away from this guy. But that wasn't what he did. He embraced me. And as he embraced me, he allowed me to play for this team, and then he allowed me to do broadcasting for the 16, 17 years I did. And, and, and then I got to go and meet him on a much more personal level and go out to lunch with him. And, and, and he's so relational. And all that stuff, I was, when, as I was thinking about that basketball, I was like, man, he's meant a lot to a lot of people, not only just to me, but to a lot of people. He knows everybody's name that was in that Panther organization, whether you were pushing a broom, pulling wires, doing something behind the scenes. He knew everyone and treated everyone with so much respect. And so from that standpoint, when I think of him, when I think of his legacy, the legacy that comes to mind is the kindness and the, and the humble heart that he had and, and the reaching out and relational uh, in the relationships that he built. That's what kind of really sticks out to me. Now you just said um, you know, he he embraced you even though you had had, had gone through a personal yeah. scandal and so how in 2018 did you react when he started going through his own personal scandal? What did that do to your relationship or even um, maybe the way that you were thinking about him? You know, one, you know, I know that going through something that's very, very tough, you know, people don't, don't won't ever see it behind the scenes, but they would never probably see the contrition um, that you that you have. They, they'll probably never see that. You you will, but they won't. And if you if you just think about this, if everybody just for one moment think about one of the worst things that they've done, that whether it was publicly or privately, that they wish they could do all over, have have a do over. Don't you yearn for that? Don't you mm-hmm. don't you look for that spot? Don't you look for uh, uh, a playing field for someone to go ahead and extend a olive branch and this and that. Well, I had a olive branch extended to me. Why would I not? Mm-hmm. Why would I not extend that to anyone else who may be going through some very, very difficult times? The one thing that you do is that you learn from it. The one thing that you do is you learn from it, and then you move on. And you just try to be better as you as you learn from the the issues that you and the, that you've been dealing with. And that's everyone. That's everybody's in that same boat. Everybody is in that same boat. It's easy to talk about Mr. Richardson because that legacy will actually leave something of mark, but it leaves a personal mark on yourself, not so much on that public thing, but a personal mark that you have to go ahead and overcome. And so I have much more more compassion and empathy because I you know going through what I've gone through, mm-hmm. Of, uh, of being arrested. I mean, I, for, for me, that was that was devastating. And from that, I'm like, I wanted to learn from that stuff. And so from that standpoint, my 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 how I look at it is differently. Now, some people may look at it totally differently. I get it. You can you can have your own opinion. That's you. I totally get it. You may be upset. Yep, totally get it. You have to deal with that. But that's part of the, you know, the personal story and history that you've got to have to deal with as you move along in life. And you're going to have to reconcile yourself with that. And so I was able to do that with the help of people allowing me to reconcile myself and extend the olive branch. And one of the people who did that for me was Mr. Richardson. Well, we're talking to Eugene Robinson here on WBT with Bo and Beth on this Friday morning, the passing of Jerry Richardson. And I've been saying all morning, uh, it's a complicated Legacy, because if you're from Charlotte and you're a Panthers fan, and especially if you go way back, like many of us do, uh, you know how it ended here. And 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 Jerry Richardson ended up having to sell the team. So uh, there were consequences to what happened uh, in 2018. But you also have to look at this uh, from the perspective of 
NFL football exists in the Carolinas because of Jerry Richardson. And, you know, all morning long I've been trying to strike the balance because we know how things ended, but we also know how things started. And, you know, I, I, I played that clip uh, on purpose. I, I know that your thoughts on Jerry uh, and, and what you're thinking today, uh, quite honestly, have been exactly what I thought you'd say to us, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you. But, you know, I, I play uh, clips of the good times, too, because all of those times, going to the Super Bowl in 2015 and uh, you joining the broadcast team and and remembering all of these players, uh, none of this would be happening in Charlotte if not for Jerry Richardson having the idea to bring the team here back in 1993. So, um, you know, you look back on on how things ended, but you have to look back on a guy, uh, probably the most influential uh, figure in Carolina sports, at least professional, history. Boy, it is so easy to look at the the thing that you don't want to look at. That's the very, you know, you know one of my pastors used to always say, it takes, uh, it takes 10 data boys to get rid of one, one you jerk. You gotta, you, you gotta remind yourself of the goodness that you're, that you've been able to do. You have to remind yourself. Yeah. You, you know, one thing, you know, in, in my own personal journey, I gotta remind myself, you know what? I'm a father. I'm a husband. I, I'm a coach. I, 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 I do this. I'm with kids. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mentoring. I'm doing all this stuff. If, if you lose sight of all that stuff, the only thing that you see is the negative stuff, and the negative stuff is the only thing that you will see, and you'll get a false perception of who that person really is, you know, and, and who you are, and who you are when you treat people, and who you are when you're by yourself, and who you are when you're publicly. You, you, you lose all sense of that. But when you remember both the good times and the bad times, you remember all that, that is the makeup, and that also allows you to go ahead and say, oh, you know what? All right, I can move forward, and yeah, I can do some good stuff, and I can go ahead and be productive. You know, I think it is important for us as you know players, and boy, you got to. It's like when I'm playing football, I can dwell on an easy, a bad play. There's no doubt. But the first one thing that you taught in professional football is you move on to the next play, and you think about the good plays to go ahead and spur you on to go ahead and do things that are uh, that are much more positive. You know, I, I'm not a therapist, but I know that works. It's and the I complexity. Thought a lot about, <laughs> I thought a lot about some of the good things that I was able to, to achieve football-wise to go ahead and make me move on when I had a, it, you know, professionally bad play. It's the process of being human, right? Just the, the, the good, the bad, the ugly. No one ever makes the perfect decision uh-huh. every single time. But we so appreciate, Eugene, you taking the time to talk with us, to share your experience, and most of all, to share your perspective and your heart. Well, I appreciate it. And this, he, when I'm talking about he was so relational and so loved down in that locker room, you you just had to be around when you saw him interact with the players. Who was he's a former player, and how he would sometimes be wrestling with players and things of mm-hmm. that nature. I'm going like this man. This is sixty something years old. Why is he wrestling with Sean Gilbert? And then they're laughing and joking and whatnot. It's, it, it was just amazing to me of how how relational Mr. Richardson. Is and so I extend my uh, to my condolences to his wife Rosalind, and I extend it to his family, Mark, and 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 and, and all the grandkids and whatnot. So um, I'm sorry for the loss that these guys uh, suffered because it's a big loss. Well, Jeannie, Rob, uh, you're a broadcaster too now, so you know what I mean when I say we're up against the clock. Yep. We got to go, but right. thank you. Got to go. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. We have Tim on News Talk 1110 WBT who wants to weigh in on this. How are y'all doing this morning? Good morning, Bo and Bad. Good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, David. Good to hear you guys. I listen to you every chance I get. Thank you. The weekly podcast with Beth and Bo. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. 
Name that Jason for Jason Aldean tickets. Jason Aldean coming to PNC Music Pavilion on August 10th, along with Mitchell Tenpenny and Corey Kent. This is the Highway Desperado Tour 2023. It's amazing that we're not doing Name That Tenpenny. Well, if it gets to that point, (laughs) (laughs) we exhaust all the Jasons today. So you have two more chances here. 704-570-1110. Very simple rules. Going to play you a Jason not named Aldean. You get that one right, you move on to the second Jason not named Aldean. You get two, you win. If you yes. get if you get one right and then can't name the next one, it goes on to the next we person. Cycle forward. That's right. All right, Neil, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. How you doing? Neil, line one. Line hey, one. Neil. Are you there, Neil? Hey. You ready? Good morning. I heard him. Hello. Okay. Hey. Yeah, hang on. I'm turning down the Jason Aldean. Neil, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good deal. All right, you ready for your first one? Go for it. Here we go. This is Jason number one. James, you're very good in the world history class, yes? Me? Yeah, yes. No, uh, yes, I am. Perhaps you could help me with my studies. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, 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 would, be, that would be great sometime. How about tomorrow? Well, I have ballet practice. Perhaps, um, I could come by your house afterwards? I could change clothes at your place. Uh, yeah, if, if I suppose that would be okay. Sure. <laughs> All right, Neil, who is Shannon Elizabeth talking to in that scene? That's Jason Biggs. Yes! Way to go. Jason Biggs is correct. And Shannon Elizabeth with, like, the worst accent in the history of acting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This one may go fast. Right out of the gate, he got Jason Biggs. All right, Neil. (laughs) Neil, uh, you're halfway home. John Moore, let's get number eight. This is the next Jason that you have to identify. Get this one right, and you're going to the concert. There's a funny story in my book about that, Bo and Beth, and that is that when I was using Blazing Saddles uh, as a theme song, when I was starting out in radio in the late 80s, actually, Frankie Lane, the great the great singer, Jezebel and Rawhide, and, of course, that song, Blazing Saddles, had a friend out in Denver where I was, heard it, Sends me a lovely note. I get to know this guy over the years, becomes a good friend. Well, then Warner Brothers, somebody tipped off Warner Brothers. Hey, this conservative right-wing talk show host is using (laughs) Blazing Saddles. You can't. They actually issued a cease and desist, but we fought back and said, no, no, I got it from Frankie directly, and they stopped. We beat him. So that was a fun little radio anecdote that we put in Party Animal as well. All right, Neil, who is that? Uh, Jason Lewis? Yes! yes! There you go. Right out of the gate. Holy moly, our first caller won. That's the first time that's ever happened, I think. I, it is. I mean, at least this go-round, it definitely is. Neil, you superstar you. I appreciate it. Came to me at the last minute. All right. <laughs> nice. Okay, put him on hold. Bernie will talk to you. Jason Lewis. So uh, very two very di- different Jasons there, Jason Biggs and Jason and Lewis. Jason Lewis. You know, I missed the 7 o'clock hour yesterday. I've been on two of these now, both at the 8 o'clock hour, uh-huh. and one person each time. So oh. I've only heard two people try this game so far. Oh, well, you need to stop coming in here. <laughs> or... You don't want your listeners to win? <laughs> <laughs> 
Neil, we take it back. You good, didn't get the tickets. Good point. Good point. You're just you're the, you're actually their good luck charm. So maybe you should always be in here for contests because then the first caller will always win. It's funny because you're so positive and you went negative and you didn't realize it. <laughs> I didn't it's even like you realize caught yourself it. on that one. Because I wanted to hear more clips of Jason. Well, see, Bo does we, bonus clips. We can do bonus did, clips. Yeah, just bonus. How clips? about number twelve there, John well, Moore? All right. This is a bonus clip. Uh, this was going to be the next one, so I don't know if Neil would have gotten this one correct, but here we go. I hear symphonies in my head. I wrote this song just looking at you. Oh, oh. Yeah, the drums, they swing low, and the trumpets, they go. And they play for you. Hey, look, you can never say that I don't have variety in these contests. We went from Jason Biggs to Jason Lewis. Anybody want to tell me which Jason this is? Jason Mraz. Incorrect. No! Who is it? This is Jason... Derulo. Yeah, Derulo. Derulo. Sorry, Derulo. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I got my Jasons mixed up. Jason so Mraz. the same person, his, aren't they? His little pot belly... Pork, what are they called? Pork belly hot hat? Pot pot. Pork... <laughs> Pork pie. I don't know what's pork happening over there right now. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> pork pie hat. Say pork belly. <laughs> it's this, like pork this, pie. This has got to be a promo clip, right? Yes. Just begin right where she Be- starts to Beth's in the water, <laughs> and she's waiting for somebody to throw her the uh, the preserver, and the, the, none of us uh, know what's pork, going on. The pork pie, the pot pie, the, the <laughs> no one porky will pig. Help me. No one knows what you're talking pork about. Pork pie, a pork pie hat. Have you, you ever heard that term, pork pie hat? Is it called a pork pie hat? I think so. The hat that Jason. That was just like wears? a little tiny fedora. I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> the little hat that Jason Mraz wears. Somebody probably. help me. There's something called. I didn't a pork... know it was called a pot pie hat or whatever. Por- I think it's a pork pie hat. A pork rind hat. Pork pie. Pork rind. Mm. Pork rind. John yeah. Morton, help us there. I got one of those. I wonder how Jason Morantz would feel about being mistaken for Jason Derulo. <laughs> Probably not good. <laughs> it was the pork pie hat that threw me off. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Thomas. Am I crazy? Is that open-ended? <laughs> Bo and Beth, you guys do a great job. Thank uh, you. I just love listening to your show. Say first, y'all are my unassociated best friends. That anybody could have. Because you, you drive with me to work every day. We're going to do things all the time together. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good morning. Join the uh, Airbnb team on the way to work. Mm-hmm. Am yeah. I the air in that? No, it's <laughs> on air. Bo oh! And- <laughs> Hey guys! Hey! <laughs> how are you? We're awesome. My goodness, I love how happy and excited you are. Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman are on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Well, you know, I get up at 3.30, Beth. Oh, so we're up at the same time. <laughs> yes, where have you been, Beth? <laughs> and I listen to you guys on my hours drive into work. Airbnb. Airbnb, on here with B&B. And we're always gonna hang out. This is the best to Bo and Beth podcast on demand. Uh, excuse me, uh, I was waiting for that space. Yeah, tough. Face it, lady, we're younger and faster. <laughs> so Mark uh, just texted me. He said, "You gotta, you gotta find Tawanda from Fried Green Tomatoes in the parking lot at the Winn Dixie." <laughs> when she decides, I'm gonna take this into my own hands. Did Kathy Bates? Here it comes. Tawanda. (laughs) (laughs) And she's plowing into the car that took her space. And we say all this talking about 
I feel like John Hancock. He used to do the show, What's Bugging You? Yes. Yep. Well, this has hit a nerve today because we were talking about, really, we were talking about things that go on inside the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And it stemmed from a conversation about kids being banned from a Pennsylvania Chick-fil-A because of unruly behavior. But then we got into talking about things that, uh, and there's an article that lists all these things that you shouldn't do inside a grocery store. And then I happened to say at some point, well, hang on, before you ever even go in the grocery store, I got things in the parking lot that bug me, mm-hmm. which, you know, which the, the, mo- the biggest thing I hate is when people don't pay attention to the lanes. But then we've had people call in and say, what about people who don't put the grocery cart up? And what about people who put grocery carts in actual spaces? And that one right there was when somebody takes somebody's space. And you've gotten, like, what, five or six uh, messages about this in the last little bit? Oh, my gosh. I've gotten so many messages. Betsy sent me a message and said, Beth, I just this is to your your comment, Bo, about people not adhering to the lane rules. She said, Beth, I had a diagonal accident recently in a parking lot on February 16th, and yes, the other driver was at fault, and it's such a pain. So it was somebody coming through and not mm-hmm. looking at the, the correct direction, not not following the rules. There are etiquette rules to the actual parking lot. I got a message from Tony who said, my pet peeve in the parking lot is getting out of the car and stepping in a puddle of someone's day-old half-drunk cup of coffee. Yes. Have you done that? Have you stepped into somebody's coffee because you didn't realize that it was there and then you had nice, cute little canvas white shoes on that you had just purchased and you got coffee all over your feet? Nope. Nobody else has the white canvas shoes and (laughs) stepped into the coffee. I mean, just take that. There there are... (laughs) There I'm are... speaking for the group. I'm sorry. Yes. We all on board with that? Yeah. I wear okay. Crocs. So they... <laughs> Wait, which would be worse. a real bad situation if you're wearing flip-flops. Exactly. They're holy. Those are holy Crocs. They get coffee all up in them. Here's one that's happened, I think, post-COVID more or whatever, but many times it could be whatever grocery store, the major chains here. Does it not seem a lot more often now there's no shopping carts at all? Like you come up and there's none when you walk in the store. Do you, yes. And there's no hand baskets, no carts. So one time around Christmas, either just before or after, I went and I needed to get a bunch of stuff because we were having family come over. I found a cardboard box in the store. <laughs> this is two months ago. You and walked around, around and started using a card. Well, I didn't drag it around. I carried around a cardboard box to put all these little items in that I needed and stuff like that because there were no shopping carts. I already came in and I said, I want to walk back out to where they are. In the corral out there. See, I could have done that, I suppose. This is what I thought you were going to say. Now, this is something, again, to the whole thing about you making fun of me earlier about going through the self-checkout several times. Uh-huh. Um, I am a coffee, I mean, I am a, a grocery cart snob because there's only one type of cart that I will use. It's the double-decker mini cart. The double-decker mini cart. I hate <laughs> the big old huge bus-looking thing. Me too! And I will, I will go to the store and just gather things in my arms if there aren't. There can be 40 of the big huge ones uh-huh. and none of the double-decker small ones. And if they're none of the small ones, I will forego the cart experience. Well, it seems that there are fewer and fewer and fewer double-decker mini carts. I don't know where no. they went. Where did they go? Because they used to be everywhere, and now I People love find... them, and they take them home with them now. <gasps> Is that what happens? Yeah, I but... think so. You just load up your car and take the cart with you. Are they stealing these You can things? use them in your garage. But, the, but you're right. Even the ratio is wrong. The ratio is like, off. There should be 75% of the compact ones mm-hmm. and 25% of the big, huge, bus-looking ones. But and, and then don't get me started on the ones that for the kids that are like 
twice as long. Oh, you should grab one of those. Yeah. <laughs> they have like the, the, little, the little car the in front race of it. cars. <laughs> you can't maneuver. Like those things are, the, the regular carts in this day and age are too big. And they I clog up the, 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 the lanes. Yes, they clog up the lanes and they inevitably have one wheel that just spins mm-hmm. around and makes weird noises and you just come through like a loud gas just somebody with gas just p- pushing through the aisle you, you were looking for the word and that's the one that came to you huh <laughs> just it makes that awful noise and you can't and and it sometimes it doesn't spin just that one wheel it doesn't spin and so you're basically like dragging the cart john says he knows what happened to the mini carts what john, happened, john enlighten us john good morning all right good morning folks this is all based on the Walmart out in Indian Trail. Because, you know, when you go in Walmart now, you can't even get a handbasket. Yeah. And those uh, mini carts, they don't, they're not accommodated by the cart genie that helps them push the carts back into the store. So out near me, my daughter and I, we love small carts. Those small carts are lined up in the outlying cart corrals way, way deep out there in the parking lot. Because the cart people don't like to push them in simple as that now i don't know what happens to the ones at harris teeter the one near me only has like maybe about five of them but i like them too but the cart people they hate the mini carts because they're harder to push in i would think it would be easier to push in a whole bunch of those because a the wheels always work and they're more compact but they they don't stack the same that that machine they have the cart genie does not accommodate the small oh 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 oh, well hey there you go we've got a business idea guys we can make a cart genie for the mini cart the mini the mini carts are cart genie averse oh yeah and the harris teeter you're right my harris teeter in davidson has two has two of the compact little carts see i'm gonna open up a grocery store that only has the small carts called bose compact carts and more (laughs) (laughs) only (laughs) self-checkout only small carts And nobody asks how you're doing. <laughs> no one helps you with anything. Bow and Keep up the great work. Every weekend on demand. This is the Good Morning BT Podcast. I don't lose. I win. I win. I'm a lawyer. That's my job. That's what I do. Well, Bill Graham knows there's a lot more we can do together. I can't do it. You can't do it alone. But together, we can do it. So yesterday, with all that's going on, we convinced Bill Graham to stay with us a bonus segment. Uh Uh-huh. And then he and I were texting last night, and he says, well, if you'd like me to come in studio at some point and take calls and answer questions, I'd be glad to do that. To which my response was, how about tomorrow? And look at this. Bill Graham is in studio from the law offices of Wallace and Graham, one of our longtime favorites here, our legal analyst and uh, just all-around good guy. It's good to have you in the room. Glad to be here. Cartoon uh, characters and all. Yeah. I, I told Beth, I said, I wonder if he's been listening on the way in. Oh, yeah. And he walked in and verified that he had, in fact, been listening. Yeah. Bill Graham took a U-turn and is headed back. <laughs> um, well. I, I just didn't know how Zoki got onto cartoon characters and milk. and So then yeah. we were talk, talking about off the air that it's melatonin in the milk that exacerbates that. And it's activated by the heat. I believe so, yes. And I should have asked you, did you learn that as well on on, on cartoons like Jim did? Uh, Probably not the cartoons that Jim watches. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, um, it happened yesterday. Uh, Yes, it did. Most people who have been watching the trial in recent weeks uh, have said that they expected this based on recent developments. Although, if you went back to the beginning of this trial, a lot of people would say they did not think 
yesterday would happen. And what I mean by that is Alec Murdoch took the stand yesterday in his own defense. Uh, and I want to play a, fl- a few clips here and get your general reaction to what you saw. And then we're going to open up the phones, uh, 704-570-1110. So if you have questions for Bill Graham about something you watched yesterday, anything, I mean, you know, what he, what he said, uh, what he was asked, what you saw with people watching in the courtroom. Objections. Yeah. I mean, any- judge. Doesn't matter. Anything is fair game. I think the first appropriate clip to play here happened early in the testimony yesterday. Did you shoot a 300 blackout into her head, causing her death? Mr. Griffin, I didn't shoot my wife or my son any time. So that was him denying that he uh, committed these acts. Now, the other part of this that really got people talking yesterday was Alec Murdoch admitting to lying about various things that happened in the case uh, in this particular clip uh, about being at the murder scene on the night that this happened. You, in fact, at the kennels at 8.44 p.m. on the night Maggie and Paul were murdered. I was. Did you lie to Sled Agent Owen and Deputy Laura Rutland on the night of June 7th and told them that you stayed at the house after dinner? I did lie to them. Alec, why did you lie? As my addiction evolved over time, I would get in these situations or circumstances where I would get paranoid thinking. I had a deputy sheriff taking gunshot tests from my hands. I'm sitting in a police car with David Owen asking me about my relationship with my wife and my son. And all those things coupled together after finding them, coupled with my distrust for SLED, caused me to have paranoid thoughts. I wasn't thinking clearly. And I lied about being down there. And I'm so sorry that I did. Okay, so there, uh, and there's more, uh, but I I just want to start there. your thoughts uh, as you watched his testimony yesterday. Yeah, so yesterday we talked about him, his testimony, and there were holes in the defense's case. He had to fill that hole with something, and what he filled it with was, I lied. I told a lie, and I told it to SLED because I distrusted them. Now, why he distrusted them, I think, is a question that I have. I think a lot of people have. Why did he distrust SLED? Uh, South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. And the the other thing is that pops into my mind as a prosecutor, and I think this will be cleaned up today if, uh, if the prosecutor's on his A game from yesterday's performance, is, uh, okay, you lied. Now, tell the jury, tell this court, what happened after? Where'd you go? What'd you do? What'd you see? Who was there? Did you hear anything? Did you hear nothing? If you if you say somebody else made the, the, you know, committed these murders, did you sleep through it? Were you in the house? How long did it take you to get there? Did you get in your car? What'd you do? So you got to go through that to because that's in the minds of the jurors now. Okay, this guy lied. Now what? Because it throws a—he had to fill that hole, though, mm-hmm. you see. So his lawyers knew 
he's going to have to admit that he lied to SLED and, and, and left the lie there for a long time, months, where he could have come back and said, you know, uh, I'm clean now, I'm sober now, I'm whatever now, and now I want to, I, I, I need to clean up something that was in the investigation. He never volunteered that. Mm-hmm. That hurt. That hurts. Don't wait to the day of trial to do that. If his lawyers knew that he told a lie, he should have gone to the investigators. Look, my guy's got, we need to go back on the record, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get a court reporter in here and let's get this down and turn the video on and let's get it on the record. Isn't that hugely problematic Absolutely. for the defense? I mean, not only that he lied, but the continuation of the lie, doesn't that in some way point to the fact that he didn't care that his son was dead and that his wife was dead and that they weren't going to, he wasn't giving them all of the information they could use or could need to, to solve the murder if it wasn't him? That, they, that He just left this huge gaping gray hole. Yeah, so either one of two things is true. Either his lawyers believed him, which I don't believe they do, or uh, he thought, well, I'm just going to play this string out and I'm going to see if I get away with it. Which is kind of his M.O., right? He's playing this string out and getting away with it. If you if you look at the prior acts of what he had been doing with his clients and the money, he had gotten away with it Mm -hmm. for a long time. I mean, some of this stuff goes back 10 years. One more. I know, I know. You're thinking Bo's finally lost it. He's playing Mick Mulvaney's theme on Friday. But no, no, this is actually brilliant cross-promotion right here. Mm-hmm. On the WBT hotline is the guy who will be in studio with us, as he always is on Monday from 9 to 10, former White House Chief of Staff and South Carolina Congressman, White House Budget Director Mick Mulvaney, who is listening to the show and has a question for Bill Graham. So Mick Mulvaney, welcome on a Friday. Yeah, Bo Beth, good morning. I hope you can hear me. Uh, Bill, thanks for doing this. Uh, hey, yeah, Congressman, how are you? I called, him, I called him during the break, and the question is this. I followed this for a long time. I used to practice law, though not in South Carolina. I never did criminal, but this is a sort of a local story going all the way back to the girl that got killed uh, in the boat accident. Yep. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. What's the motive for the murder? I, I, I don't buy this idea that it was done to distract from his financial crimes. I'm not sure how murdering your wife and your son distracts from other crimes. And I'm not sure the prosecution has made a case yet. I've not heard anything about insurance policies on the wife. And I'm just not sure the jury, if I'm on the jury, I'm wondering, okay, I get all this. I understand the lies. I got the forensic evidence. But why would he kill his wife? And does the prosecution have to make a strong case for that in order to get a conviction? Uh, I'll answer your second question first. Uh, No, Um, I don't think they have to prove motive to get a conviction. Uh, why did he do it? Um, why did he take the client's money? Why did he uh, set up the fake, um, you know, murder, you know, shooting, having somebody shoot him in the head beside the road? That made no sense. Um, I, I can't answer you at this stage of the game. I don't know that, that anyone knows. And I think a lot of people have the same question that you have. Why, why go through all this? Why, why do that? Uh, what, what do you get out of it? Um, I'm not sure I know myself, and I think everyone else has got the same question. Um, why murder your, your, your wife and your son? 
Well, here there are a couple of, um, you know, there's so much information that's coming out now. There are a few documentaries that have popped up, one on Netflix that just hit this week that um, claimed, and this this could play, Mick, and this is to uh, an idea of motive. There are claims and reports saying that his wife had um, looked into filing for a divorce because she had found out that he wasn't paying all of the bills in the way that he should. And then there's the second um, part of the that week that the murder happened on June 7th, I believe on June 10th, was the first hearing for the venue of the trial for Paul. And in that venue hearing, a financial statement from... Um, from Murdoch reportedly was supposed to come out. And he even mentioned on the stand yesterday that he had written, handwritten out everything that was supposed to be typed up by an assistant who wasn't his. So could they use all of that as motive, the, the divorce and financial crimes, and that he didn't actually want to appear in court with that financial statement on the 10th? And without the son, then that wouldn't exist. That, that court hearing wouldn't happen. Is that potential? No, but I think a lot of that evidence um, would eventually come into a hearing at some point in the in what what is now the future. Um, that evidence would have come in, so eliminating his son and his wife would not have uh, foreclosed that evidence that coming evidence. in. Yeah, eventually that would have all come into come into evidence either through deposition or subpoena of documents. Um, so th- that door stays open. He doesn't close that door by murdering his son and his Does wife he buy himself time. Maybe, but time to do what? It, it is just a kicking the can down the road. Um, so to go back to the congressman's question, I can't answer that right now. But um, I think the the, the answer w- may may reveal itself, uh, you know, here pretty soon. Mick, did oh, we... real quickly, one last one last thing. Then I'll go. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. The, the, so, uh, Bill, do you think the defense—that's one of the things the defense is going to be harping on—is to try to create the doubt in the jury as to the lack of motive, if there is a lack of motive. A- a- absolutely. Why... Oh, absolutely. Don't you think Harpulian's going to say he's going to stand up in the closing argument? And he's going to say, "Look, they put my guy at the scene. They found no blood on him. They they have no weapon. They have no. They had nothing. They had two dead bodies." Uh, tragically, and they have no motive. They can't so they can't explain to this jury or anybody in this courtroom or anybody out here in the public why this guy wanted to do kill his son and his daughter that he loved so much. So you got to ask yourself in your heart. You got to look in your heart and you got to say, do we believe this fella did this horrific thing? Now he said he lied. Okay, he was honest and truthful here in the courtroom, um, but um, the jury's going to have a a lot to chew on. Bo, Beth, thanks very much, Bill. I appreciate it. You have a good weekend. Mick Mulvaney listening to the show here with Bill Graham, and Mick will be in studio with us uh, 9 to 10 on Monday. Uh, some of the most dramatic testimony uh, that we heard from uh, yesterday uh, regarding Alec Murdoch was this right here. We were just talking about the crime scene. This is what he said uh, as he walked up. I know I tried to turn him over. When you say you tried to turn him over, what, why were you trying to turn him over? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I tried to turn him over. Me and my boys laid face down. <laughs> he's doing the way he's doing. His head was the way his head was. I could see his could see his brain laying on the sidewalk. I didn't know what to do.
A lot of people were uh, taken aback by that part. Uh, there's also, uh, as he got into uh, talking about, uh, I mean, we mentioned the, uh, John Moore, I'm on the fly here, number five. We talked about the finances and the disclosure yesterday about um, the the things that he was not being truthful about. This is where he's talking about uh, and admitting to uh, stealing money from his own law firm. Did you do that? I did. Did you steal um, or divert that Ferris fee away from the law firm? I did. How did you get in such a financial predicament that led you to steal money that wasn't yours? You know, I'm not quite sure how I let myself get where I got, but it came from battled that addiction for so many years. I was spending so much money on pills. So you're hearing these stories of this horrific scene that he's reacting to, and and all the while you're also hearing in the same testimony about things that he wasn't truthful about. So if you're a if you're a juror, how do you trust? How do you way? process this? Yeah, you, at the end of the day, the jury's got to retire to the jury room, and they've got to say, "Do I believe anything this guy says?" Now, I want to point out something that Beth and I were talking about off the air and the cross exam. And at the end of the day, yesterday, which is going to pick up today, mm-hmm. is the prosecutor beating on him and beating on him and beating on him about, um, did you ever look any of your clients in the eye and tell them that this was, you know, this was a settlement statement and this was the money and this is what you're going to get and you lied to him. You looked them right in the eye and you lied to him. And, and he would always, and Murdoch would always come back and say, well, I don't dispute you know, anything you say, and that was his response. Mm-hmm. And, and then the prosecutor got kind of ticked off and says, did you, did you practice that response? Is that, you know, you've mm-hmm. been back then? Hold that thought because I want to get back around to some of the body language yesterday. Yeah. And some of the man, Beth and I were texting back and but forth wanna, watching this. I want to tell you why he's doing that. Okay, that too. Uh, all of this. We That's another... what I'm so excited to get to. Welcome back, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, and in studio, the one and only Bill Graham from the law offices of Wallace and Graham. And we're Taking stock, making sense of day one of Alec Murdoch on the stand yesterday. It will continue uh, about an hour from right now. He'll be back uh, taking questions again. Uh, here, here's another moment from yesterday. You continued lying after that night, did you not? But once I lied, I continued to lie. Yes, sir. Why? You know, oh, what a tangled web we weave. But once I told the lie, then I told my family. I. I had to keep lying. So, Bill, um, I want to talk about uh, what you hear and also what you see, because it's one thing we hear the testimony and you heard it right there. But if you're watching it on television, you know, you see uh, mannerisms and you you see what some people in the in the audience uh, are, are, you know, how how they are reacting. And, And also the dynamic of. Uh, well, two things. First of all, uh, the uh, the questioner not being used to being in that situation, and then Alec Murdoch is, you know, an attorney himself. He, that's a whole dynamic to this that makes it fascinating to me as well, mm-hmm. uh, because this is not his first rodeo in a courtroom. Right. So uh, help me, I guess the best way to ask this is, as you watched this yesterday, um, what are we seeing or what are you seeing that the, the layperson is not necessarily seeing? That the witness is talking too much, and he's doing exactly what I told you all he was going to do. When asked a question, 
He didn't just ask the, answer the question. He has to pontificate. He has to go. And, and even the prosecutor yesterday on cross-examination, you never do this as a witness. And as lawyers, he should have, well, you know, they might have a client that they can't control. But he volunteered and wanted to talk after the question was over mm-hmm. and even interrupted the prosecutor on cross-examination. Knock that off. What are you doing? And just ask, answer the question. Okay? So, Beth's dying to know. Ask, go ahead and ask your question. <laughs> well, there are so many. Let's let's get to the one question that I'm dying to ask is about the prosecutor that you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. In And you said this right before we went to break. As he was kind of hammering home this idea, did you look in the, them in the eye? Can you remember? Why can't you remember these conversations? These are people that you're saying you care about. Give me a specific example. And he was hammering that point home. And you have a theory as to why you know, and know, what, I, what's going to happen. I know why he's doing it. Why do you think he's doing it? Let me ask you. That. We'll do the Socratic method here in just <laughs> All for a right. second. I love the Socratic method. So here's what I think. So Beth I, is on the stand. So this is why I thought it was kind of genius, because there's no upside. Because one, if he's saying, I can't remember, then he's saying, I don't care enough about these clients who were injured severely. One was a, right. a quadriplegic because of the accident that he was uh, you know, representing him for, that you don't care enough about them as human beings to even have a conversation and look them in the eye, or you don't care enough about them to remember, A, that makes him a monster. B, if he says, yes, I remember the conversation, I did look them in the eye, I did lie to them, that makes him a monster too, because both things aren't a good look. Either way, you don't care enough to remember them. B, you remember, but you don't care enough to care. Okay, that's the foundation for the conclusion. Okay, you've laid the foundation for the house. All right, so now you got to build on top of that. So the way you build on top of that is you're preparing for your closing argument. And the closing argument is, if you're the prosecutor, is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know what he just... So what he's trying to get him to do is say, yes, I looked them in the eye and I lied. Mm -hmm. That's what he's trying to get him to say. But he's not giving him that answer. That's why he's frustrated. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if I did, if I was the judge, I would have said, Mr. Prosecutor, Mr. Solicitor, move on. He's not going to give you the answer you want. Let's 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 keep on going. We're not going to just sit here and go hungry. So what he's trying to do is get him to answer the way he wants him to answer, and then tell the jury at closing arguments, you know what? You remember when he testified that he looked those people in the eye and stole their money and lied to them. He. St- Stealing now, and he's lying to you now. He's doing the same thing he did for the last 10 years, and he's doing it in this courtroom. He's lying to you. He's lying to me. He's lying to his lawyers. He lied to SLED. He lied to the judge. He lied to everybody. He's not to be trusted, and don't you trust him now. He did this murder. That's what he's trying to do. It's Mm -hmm. a closing argument dynamic. So he's laying the foundation for his closing argument. And then back to Mick's question. So in that closing argument, when he's saying he lied to you, he lied to me, he's lied. And Mick Mulvaney, when he called in last last um, last segment, he, the, the, he, the prosecutor doesn't have to say this is why he did it. He just is. He just is this person. If the if the prosecutor can prove motive, he's allowed to put forward the evidence that he could. I think what he's going to do is say, you know, th- this person. Maybe he had a drug addiction. Maybe he used bad judgment. But in that bad judgment, he committed one after the other of financial crime. 
and the, 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 the jig was up, and he had to do something to cover his tracks. Didn't say it made any sense. He wasn't thinking logically anyway. None of us that are thinking logically about this would have done what he did. But he did what he did, and the evidence showed that he did what he did. Now, I don't know if they're going to make that argument or not, but that's – I would consider making that. Good news. The jig is not up. We have one more segment here. I know. I want 100 more segments with Bill Graham. Can you just, like, ride home with me today, and I can keep having the conversation? <laughs> Friday morning on WBT with Bo and Beth here on Good Morning BT. Charlotte's most beloved John Hancock takes us home next hour, as always, on Friday. And uh, we have a special in-studio appearance by Bill Graham today. And, of course, uh, brought to us by the law offices of Wallace and Graham. Wallace and Graham over 35 years representing personal injury clients in North Carolina. Uh, we have like a checklist of items to get to uh, on our on our way out here. I mentioned before the break that I, I noticed something yesterday as I'm watching that once I sort of focused in on it, I couldn't not couldn't see it. see it. When Murdoch was, I mean, there was the, you know, the, the tears and the, uh, the, the graphic testimony, but if you're just watching body language, for so much of his testimony yesterday, he would nod as he was saying it and nod over. And I texted Beth and I said, he, you noticed how much he nods. Uh, what's going on here? It almost looks like, again, you, you said earlier in the show, um, we're talking about uh, witnesses and, and, and what uh, examinations trying to uh, create the idea of or suggest in the, in the, in the mind of a juror. But if you're watching that yesterday, the thought did cross my mind. It, it almost looks like the guy is, it seems like he's, he's saying something that's rehearsed, like something you'd say in front of a mirror. I'm just talking about body language, but I even thought to myself, the nodding, that... Is he trying to that, convince himself? Is he trying to convince himself? Or if I'm, if I'm his attorney, I probably don't like that he's doing that. It's a, uh, a physical reaction to a discomforting situation. He finds himself in a situation where he's having to... Um, answer a question that he doesn't really want to answer. He's he's trying to make a response that he thinks is going to sell, and so he's he's pushing it. He's selling it. That's that's where the physicality comes in. I'm selling you. I'm selling you. I'm selling you. Are you buying what I'm selling you? Come, you you, you got to buy what I'm telling you because it's going to turn out right for me. Okay. But if so, you're a juror, can can that backfire because it can look like sure. you're trying to sell yourself on sure, it? Sure. 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 Um, I mean, jurors pick up on that. Jurors are smart people. Uh, every time you get into a complex case, whether it's a murder case or a civil case, the, the, the lawyers say, oh, God, the jury's never going to get all this complex stuff. They always get it. They always – you have to break it down. And you have to get into the elements of your case, whether it's a civil or a criminal case. But in the end, the jurors typically get it right. Well, let's talk about the performance itself and yep. whether or not the jury is going to buy certain aspects of his testimony. There were terms that he used of a, terms of affection for his son, for his wife, for his friends that we have never heard in any of the, the videos of his um, interviews, any of the, the, the body camera footage. He started calling his son Paul Paul. Mm -hmm. He called his wife Maggie Mags. He called his friend Roland or he called him Roro. These are terms of endearment that we haven't heard. Is that part of the performance, and is that over the top? Is that going to backfire as well? I don't know if the the jurors will put a lot in that. Um, you're in the uh, you know the broadcast business, so you pick up on those kinds of things. I think the jurors, you know, somebody may mention may mention something about that. But you know, if you look at the video clips of the interviews, he never says any never. of those kinds of 
of words. He never describes the people with those names. So this is somewhat in the trial drama uh, lingo bucket. And um, it, it, it may, I mean, maybe it's coming home to him what has happened. And maybe this is his way of dealing with it internally. Who, who knows? I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. We talk a lot about uh, uh, the jurors and, and the sequestering and what they deal with while they're going through this process. Uh, I have a question, though, about Murdoch himself, because yesterday he's on the stand and they take a break for lunch. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching uh, the coverage and then the break during the coverage, you know, what does he have access to? Uh, and, and what can he hear? I mean, Beth brought up Netflix earlier. Uh, yeah, you know, all the stuff that's going around this trial and as much hoopla and as much media coverage as it gets, you know, you, you try to have these happen in, in a bubble where people can hear the evidence, uh, whatever part of the trial you're part of, and be isolated from all the noise. But there's no way you avoid all this noise. Uh, does, does Alec Murdoch have access to a phone? Does he have access to uh, a TV screen anywhere when he goes and where, where, where he's held and, you know, during the trial and leading up to the trial and while it's happening? I, I, that may be a dumb question, but I think there are people who may not know the answer to it. Yeah, I think he has access to a television. I think he has access to a phone at some parts of the day to communicate uh, with um, his lawyers or whoever. Um, but uh, beyond that, no. But can Alec Murdoch access Twitter and see what people are saying about his performance that he just got off for the break? I, unless someone is telling him what right. is on Twitter, I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, God bless the judge. I don't know how you keep all of that, yeah. you know, confined. Uh, but um, it, this is um, it, there's drama like on top of drama on this case. And I think he's managing it very well. Mm -hmm. But what Murdoch himself has access to, uh, if, if I were his lawyers, I would say, don't read any of that stuff. Don't pay any attention to that stuff. It's going to get in your head and it will mess up your testimony. And, uh, and, and one of the callers earlier had said, you think the lawyers or the staff is looking at Netflix. Um, I would say no. It would get them off their game if, if they thought that they were going to buy some kind of writer's theory and interject it into the case at this point. That would be hazardous. Well, you, you, you hit it, though. I think maybe what I should have said is, I mean, I don't think any of us think that, that, that Murdoch, Alec Murdoch, is there you know, on his phone watching. But, but can stuff get, get to him? Can it sure. get back to him? Sure. With, and, and, and we all know how much coverage this thing is getting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to avoid it. And I know we've gotta, we have to let you go, but I wanted mm. to really quickly, if you can break down um, – these financial crimes, as we were kind of getting into the weeds of the testimony of the financial crimes, mm -hmm. how exactly was he stealing this money on top of the funds that he was already getting from his clients from these settlements? Well, in the one case, what he did was he, he they appointed a conservator, which turned out to be a banker or, or some relationship to a banker, where then he, he deposited the settlement proceeds in some kind of a structured settlement. We can talk about that one day when... We've all had more sleep, but uh, uh, What's that? We, he didn't. He didn't took that money and leveraged it as a loan back to himself. So just pulling it out of the account that was supposed to be in the conservatorship. He, you, he used the, the client's money as an asset to then gain a loan, and and the, the bargain for the deal was he was going to pay the victims who who were his clients an, an interest rate that they would not otherwise get. So that's why he stole the money from the other guy, so he could pay these kids off before they were 18. That's where that whole thing—and I'll explain that transaction when 
y'all are. When, when, <laughs> when we have you back on the next yeah, time you're able. Exactly. On Thursday <laughs> when we have you, we'll get this long question in. Now, something tells me we're going to talk to him before Thursday. <laughs> I uh, hope so. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah, we're yeah. about a half hour away from him returning to the stand. Uh, what's the biggest thing you're watching for today? The prosecutor's going to try to get that question answered the way he wants it answered, and he's not going to do it, and he's going to move on, and then uh, he'll he'll be off the stand uh, probably mid-afternoon. Oh, yeah? Bill Graham. Because there's, there's going to be a redirect. So uh, Harpootlian's side is going to have a chance to redirect so they can clean up some of the things he's already said in cross-examination. So, yeah, it might go all day. So uh, going to be another uh, yeah, yeah, interesting yeah. day yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, in Walterboro. Uh, this has been a fascinating hour. I can't thank you enough for coming in on glad short to notice. Do it. Happy uh, to be here. This is the best of Bo and Beth on demand. We've been talking about getting to this poll, 2024 Republican nominee preference among Republican primary voters. We've been promising this, and now we're going to pay off. At least I think. Yes, we're going to pay. You, you've got the numbers <laughs> I right. Have them, okay. I have them up. This is a 2024 Republican nominee preference among Republican primary voters, as Bo just said. Donald Trump at 43 percent. And coming in second, not even really close, Ron DeSantis at 28 percent. Nikki Haley at 7. Mike Pence at 7. Greg Abbott at Two and then Liz Cheney is is added in that list at two percent. But I, when I saw these numbers come through, it made me think of our conversation last week, where when we were talking about Nikki Haley throwing her hat in the ring and Donald Trump saying giving his blessing basically in a phone call to her and admitting that he did. And you said that's strategic because the more people who are in that race. That dilutes those votes. He doesn't need a majority. He just needs his base to get out and vote. And that's exactly what these numbers are showing. Yeah, the critical number in that, in that list that you just read down was the first one, Trump at 43 percent. That's his number, right? What that means is that there's, you know, what is it, 57 percent of folks who are willing to not vote for Donald Trump. Now, it happens that that 57, am I doing my math right? Yes, 57 percent is divided amongst the other six or eight or 20 people. But the 43 number is his number. And if I run against you and I get 43 percent, I lose every single time. But if I run against everybody in the studio, I win. And since our primary system is basically winner take all, that's why I say that Donald Trump is the the likely Republican nominee, because there's no way for the Republicans to clear the field. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I do TV overseas. Right. And the, the Australians and the Brits are just stunned by this because their parties are a lot more active and proactive in picking their candidates than we are. And they're just stunned that there's no way to sort of either prevent Trump from running. That's the first question they ask. And then is, it, well, is there no way to sort of do a unified opposition to Trump? I'm like, no, anybody who wants to run can run. They're, they're just flabbergasted by that. As long as you get those five or six people in the race, Donald Trump is going to win. Uh, John Sununu, I think it's John Sununu. I know it's a Sununu. I can't remember if that's his first name or not. The governor of New Hampshire was on Fox last week. And they asked him, he said, look, if you get in the race, are you not just helping Donald Trump? He says, look, it's not the number of people who get in the race. I think it's Chris. Is it Chris Sununu? Yeah. yeah. John is his dad, right? Um, Chris is the one. Chris is actually listed in this okay. survey. So it's not, it's not how many people get in the race. It's how quickly the people who don't have a chance get out of the race. Mm. And there's a certain there's a certain uh, truth to that, that if you get 2% in Iowa and New Hampshire, why are you sticking around? And that was the point he was trying to make. And, of course, they asked him, so if you do 2%, are you dropping out? And he said, well, I'm not running yet. Well, we asked, uh, we were talking to Winterbull about this same poll. And he said, uh, if Ron DeSantis declares, then that 28% shoots up a bit. I think so. I, I think the value of that poll is who's voting for Trump and who's willing to vote for somebody else. That's how I, that's how I look at it. Because this 7%... 
that is voting for Nikki Haley is not voting for Nikki Haley instead of Donald Trump. They're voting for Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley instead of Ron DeSantis. And that goes back to the conversation we had last week about the value to Trump of mm-hmm. Nikki getting in the race. Right. There, was a, there had been a poll out previously that showed Trump losing to DeSantis head to head. But Trump beating DeSantis if Nikki Haley's in the race as, a, as, a, as another choice. Well, that was another part of the, the Fox News poll. They did another poll where they actually took Trump out of the, the polling. And when that happened, DeSantis came in at 42 percent. The next was Mike Pence at 23 percent. Nikki Haley was still at the same number. She was around 6 percent. That makes sense. And Pence is the sitting vice pre- was the sitting vice president. So that, that makes sense. His name ID is higher. You know, politicians, we always think our name ID is higher than it is. Um, Ron DeSantis has been on TV, you know, a lot, a lot in the last three years. Okay, Mike Pence was the vice president of the United States for four years. Nikki Haley was the U.N. ambassador. We talked about the reasons. And you, Bo, you mentioned about sort of the top level candidates and the second level candidates or, you know, one and a half level candidates. The reason that you'll see that those one and a half and second level candidates announce early is they need the attention. Mike Pence has a way to get on TV. He's a former president, vice president of the United States. Ron DeSantis is a sitting governor. Mm-hmm. Tim Scott, a sitting senator. So he can go on TV tonight if he wants to. They call up Fox and look, I want to talk about this. Then they'll take a sitting senator all day long. But the Nikki Haley's of the world really can't get on TV as easily as they can. The Aza Hutchinson's, who I don't know if his name was on the list or not, or the, the, the very last one, the, the Chris Sununu, right? They, they don't have a way to get on. They're not from a big state. They don't have that audience so that they don't have the same way to drive up their name ID, which is why they get in earlier rather than late. Well, and I know Donald Trump broke every rule to this, but in traditional politics, you have the people that are in the pipeline to be in the pipeline and know, know, knowing that they're shot to actually get within striking distance, maybe several cycles off. I mean, you think about Bob Dole, you think about uh, John McCain, you think about Mitt Romney. All of those candidates were candidates that had been in the circulation beforehand. And so there's a there's a, a degree of these uh, names on this list that I think would even tell you, I got no shot this time, but you've got to get in that that conveyor belt of 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 reps, so to speak, so that when uh, the cycle comes four years, eight years, then you're higher on the list. Right. Take Pete Buttigieg, for yeah. example. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is, is a mayor of what? South Bend, Indiana, town of, I don't know, 50,000 people, you know, size of Rock Hill. And he's running for president. But now he's in the cabinet. Right. Because what? I think he won Iowa or did really well in Iowa early on. Um, there's, a, there's a person with with no career in politics or at least no appreciable sort of visible path to higher office coming from as a small town uh, mayor, you run for president, you know, you roll the dice, you, you hit your number a couple of times and all of a sudden now you're secretary of transportation and he's talking about running for Senate in Michigan. Um, he's talking about running for president if, if Biden doesn't run. So, yeah, there's 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 that ulterior motive is I don't have a chance to win, but I might be able to turn this into something. A uh, Huckabee, for example, turned it into right. a television career that's worth a lot of money. Uh, there's There's all sorts of reasons for people who know they don't have a chance to win to run. Yeah. And uh, there are any number of people we could mention uh, that break the, the, I mean, Trump's one name, but Obama broke the mold too. Yeah, but Trump, I, I still think Trump didn't think he was going to win. Trump was there to promote Trump television. He wanted to go into competition with Fox because he knew there was this huge market out there for another conservative outlet. I think he was doing it at the very beginning as a branding thing and sort of won by accident. We could talk about this when we come back too. Does he want to be president this second time around or is this more about I just want to, to go out a winner? That is a great question. 
We have Tim on News Talk 1110 WBT who wants to weigh in on this. How are y'all doing this morning? Good morning, Bo and Bad. Good morning, BT. Hey. How are you? We're hey, good. good morning, David. Good to hear you guys and listen to you every chance I get. Thank you. This is Good Morning BT. Oh, sir. I saw it. Some angry member of the kitchen staff. Did you not tip them? Oh, the terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. I'll get them, <laughs> sir. Don't worry. Now, that's an example of a a bad run by fruiting. I got the greatest. It's kind of a drive-by fruiting, if yes. you will. This is a good drive-by fruiting. Um, we always have Mick Mulvaney on Mondays, but... Every now and again, we get a special guest with Mick Mulvaney. We get his wife, Pam, in with us. And today she came in. Mick always brings in a cup of coffee from QT. And apparently a few weeks ago, actually it was probably a few hey months Beth, ago. It's more than a gas station. It is more than a gas station. I hear. Well, now I know for sure because I made a reference to shopping for Kiwi at QT. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what we were talking about. On BT. On BT. Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. And Pam found Kiwi. At the QT and brought me, it's actually not only kiwi, it's kiwi, strawberries, and mango. Fresh from the QT. It was a drive-by fruiting. It was a drive-by fruiting. <laughs> well, that's what, awesome. In she, the words of Crusty the Clown, what the hell was that? What did you just play? <laughs> that was Mrs. Doubtfire. You've never seen that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that in 1984. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why you have me. In fact, I haven't, I haven't thought about it since 1984. Uh, well, that's why you have me. This and is I'm, what you do late at night, isn't it? It's, say, I think about things like this, but I'm you know, a yeah. drive-by fruiting. Okay. And he's talking to uh, uh, oh, James Bond, Sterling and Sterling guy. What's the actor's name? Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Thank you. I have a COVID hole in my brain where information goes to die. No, no, you're just getting to the point where it happens when we get older. Where yeah. names just don't yeah. exist you can't anymore. Can't do names anymore. I'm glad oh, you guys sir. both have BT in your name because that's the only way I remember either of your names. Some angry member of the kitchen staff. Did you not tip them? Oh, the terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. I'll get them, sir. Don't worry. A run by fruiting. Oh, and Pierce Brosnan was so lovely in that movie. I'm trying to cancel that movie. Okay. We try, we're trying to run out the clock so we don't have to do this music. I know you guys it, right? are. Today's uh, Beth Troutman music. I, I'm not day. canceling that movie. People are trying to cancel that movie. Uh, but I, I, I are they the, really? Why? Because you know, she's, it's a it's a, a, a man dressed, dressed up as like a woman. woman. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. Are we ready? Are we going to do this? I think we're ready, guys. Uh, you told you asked me last week if I would bring in music trivia, and I did. We I weren't s- really serious about that. Beth. I know, but I do it anyway. All right. I give people what they want. Uh. <laughs> is this the first one? This is number one. I have no idea. Like, I can't phone a, thr- a friend. I'm phoning a friend. The hills are alive with the sound of something. <laughs> Griswold. You might think beauty comes in spring and sparrow. <sighs> She's not going to get it either. I can tell by the look on her face. The All right. How many are there, Beth? There are five. <laughs> there are five. There are five. <laughs> so let's, let's go to number that's two. That's number one. What, what was it, number one? That is the theme song from Kinky Boots. It's uh, called Price and Sons. Of course it is. Oh, Kinky Boots. We're supposed to go see that next time we're in Florida. Kinky yeah. Boots. It's a hit. Oh, this is Circle of Life from The Lion King. Yes. Okay. Well done, Bo you Thompson. Got one. I got one. Wow. That's All it. right. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, John Moore. This might be one of my favorite songs. For the girl that I knew who be reckless just in love who get hurt 
It's gonna, called. I'm going to guess 50 Cent. <laughs> you mean 50, right? Is it 50, 50 Cent? Is that it? This is one of my favorite songs, Broadway or not Broadway. It's called She Used to Be Mine. It's from the Broadway musical Waitress. Of course it is. That was my second guess after 50 Cent. Oh, Pam's back there. I love Waitress. <laughs> you know, you and I could just leave Bo and let the ladies take this one. I... <laughs> All right, John Moore, number four. Still impressed, Bo got Everybody look at me. It's not Oasis. It's not. Uh, oh. You do realize the only reason I got mine right is because it's from a Disney cartoon they made into a play. <laughs> um, I got nothing. This is called Rise Above. It is from Spider-Man. Turn I off said, the dark. I've, I, that's why I've heard this one. This was a Marvel. Yes, I've heard this one before. And one more to go. Just John Moore likes it, but I'm not sure he's completely sober. I don't know the song. This is Here Lies Love from the Broadway musical about to open, Here Lies Love. It's been off Broadway, but about to uh, about to open. So I think I'm... Uh, so I'm, is there a theme to this? Or there is, just... is a theme. Yes, oh, Bo and man. Mick don't know any of them. <laughs> you knew one of them. That's what I thought we were going to, is doing movies. Because I, I think like, Kinky Boots was being made into a movie, and the like other one was... Percent. What? Oh, she, he's phoning. Oh. A, he's phoning a friend. Oh, yeah. right, here we go. He's Pam's giving a, a hint. I feel like Regis over here. They started as movies and went to Broadway. No, but that's actually a great guess. Um, I was trying to stick with the music trivia style theme. All of these Broadway musicals were written by pop stars. Kinky Boots, written by Cindy Lauper. Wow. Circle of Life was Elton, Elton John. John. Waitress Sarah Bareilles. The music was composed by um, by her. Is she a real person? Are you just making that no, up? No, Sarah Bareilles. Yes, she's huge. She's got um, those lights uh, named hmm. after her. Spider Man. The, the Aurora Borealis. Spider Man. Turn off the dark. Written by Bono and the Edge. And then Here Lies Love. David Byrne and Fat Boy Slim. So usually, <laughs> uh, usually at the end of segments like this, I. I I, I play this, but today, today I'm going to play this. <laughs> oh, come on. That was good. No, good for you, but bad for us. Oh, okay. By the way, I know who Fat Boy Slim is. Do you? I do. Do you know who that is? Do I know who it is? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm just saying you're a little bit younger than I am. And I he wrote a Broadway was. musical, guys. Good for him. Wow. Yeah, you want to leave a little Fat Boy Slim? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bet Chuck Brewster will know that one. The best of Bo and Beth. This is Good Morning PT. One more time. One last chance. A pair of tickets to see Jason Aldean in Charlotte. Love for that Hazel. PNC Music Pavilion, Thursday, August 10th. Win them before you can buy them from WBT. Worked all week, cleaned up, clean cut, and clean shaved. I got to cover off to 68. I fired it up and let them horses sing a little pretty thing. 704-570-1110. The way this works, if you're new to the contest, I have a number of Jasons here not named Aldine. You have to name two of those correctly to win the tickets. So when you call in, I'll play you a clip, and if you get that right, you move on to number two. If you get that right, you win. Do you practice this at home? 
He's so good. Every night, Not the every night in front of the mirror. <laughs> Sticking into your comb. Only Eric Church, though. <laughs> yes, Bo, that is Eric Church, I believe. <laughs> you're, you're really I was today years old when I learned that Beer 30 was Florida Georgia Line. <laughs> Why do they sound like Eric Church? <laughs> he does. It sounded like Eric Church. If you would have said, because I, I don't, look, I'm not an Eric Church or Florida Georgia Line aficionado. If you said, who is that? I would have said Eric Church. It sounds so. like Eric Church. So here's the deal. Uh, if you get it wrong, then you pass it on to the next person. They try to get it right. Uh-huh. we got to get two people. we got to get two correct answers here in a row. So let's go to the phone line here. Mark, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Mark. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Mark. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's see. All right. Name (laughs) that Jason. This is big stuff, man. From the very beginning, we said, I'm the front man, and you're the guitarist with Mystique. That's the dynamic we agreed on. Paige, Plant, Mick, Keith. I don't know. Somehow it's all turning around. But I don't know the the guy's name. You know the Uh, movie, don't you? Mm-hmm. Way to get in on the phone lines, though, Mark. Yeah, Mark, yeah. since you lost, you get Rascal Flats tickets. <laughs> <laughs> you're so bad. <laughs> All right, uh, Joey, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Joey. Hey, good morning, guys. Good All morning. Right. Here's a clip of the one that's on the board. This is big stuff, man. From the very beginning, we said, I'm the front man, and you're the guitarist with Mystique. All right, Joey. That's the- Who is that? Well, well, there's only one Jason I can think of. Jason Bateman? No. Good guess, though. Jason Bateman actually is already off the board. Yeah, he was in, uh, uh, what's today? Tuesday's contest. Mm -hmm. He was in Tuesday's contest. All right, so uh, Steve. Steve is on the board. 704-570-1110. Nobody knows the current Jason that's on the board. Got to get two correct. So uh, still a lot of opportunity out there. To win the Brad Paisley, t- I mean the uh, Jason Aldean <laughs> tickets. Steve, welcome to Good Morning BT. Greeting. No idea. Next caller, please. Oh, ah, Steve. Wow, wow. Well, you know what? I appreciate his honesty. Yeah, Got like Steve, right on. I like Steve jumping and producing the show. <laughs> Let's go to the next call. <laughs> I like that. Wow. Uh, and look at this. It's another Steve. Steve is on line one. Welcome, Steve number two. Okay, Jason Lee. Yes. Steve. Well done. Woo. Jason Lee. That's from a the, great guess. That's from, a good one. From the movie Almost Famous right there. All right, right. Steve, you got Jason Lee. Let's see where I want to go here, John Moore. Hmm. Let's go. Let's go Jason 1. I'm, I'm uh, this is a this is stealth and this was a selection made by Beth Troutman. Here oh, is mm. the next Jason to identify. Hi. Did I know you from biology class? Yeah. What can I do for you? Yeah, I had a couple of questions. I was curious. What do you do with the jackets that people leave here? We keep them. <laughs> In case you come back. You can look through it if you want. No, that's cool. I, it would take too long to look through all that stuff. I'll just, I'll pick up a new one. What was your other question? Oh, uh, my other question is, can I have your phone number so I can ask you out sometime? All right, so who, who, is, who is he asking out right there? Oh, man. I do not know. Oh, oh Steve, I, I knew this one was going to be hard because this one, this one gets you. This one will get, this, this will get you. Got to think about this one for a second. Yep. But it's a, it's a great one. And actually, it uh, is... I'm not going to give away too oh, much don't here. don't give a hint. No? No, no uh, hint at all? Not yet. Okay. All right. Not yet. 
Relax, Rat. (laughs) Beth doesn't want to have to work the rest of the morning. She just wants the contest to go until 9. That's not true. Attitude. Attitude, Beth. Oh, there you go. That's a good good hint. (laughs) But you you know the hint I was going to give, and I'm not going to give it now. That's too much of a hint. It's it's too much uh, just uh, choreographing all this. All right, so uh, we have the tickets still on the board, and we've got one that is on the board that has been misidentified. Welcome back. We're in the middle of the season finale of Name That Jason for Jason Aldean tickets. He's coming to PNC Music Pavilion Thursday, August 10th. Special guest, the cars. <laughs> the Highway Desperation Tour. Or des- Desperation. Desperado. <laughs> you still yeah. have Desperation. The Highway Desperado Tour 2023. Special guests, Mitchell Tenpenny and Corey Kent. You've got a name, too. Jason's not named Aldean in a row. Let's see. Michelle, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Michelle. Good morning. Good right. morning. Michelle, here is the Jason currently on the board. Hi. Did I know you from biology class? Yeah. What can I do for you? Yeah, I had a couple of questions. I was curious. What do you do with the jackets that people leave here? We keep them. All right, so the guy asking about the jackets... He's asking the uh, the girl there the questions. Who is that girl? Jennifer Jason Lee. Yes. Yes. Woo, Michelle, See? that's my girl. See, I had to I had to roll one more hint in there. I know you're so hinty. Which is yeah, which that is was rolling very stealth. Which is, that was very Beth like. <laughs> Stealth. That was Beth's idea to do the Jennifer that Jason one was. Lee. I got tickled at myself when I thought of her. And Michelle's like, y'all stop talking. It's time for number two here. Yes, all sorry, right. Michelle. I, I probably won't get number two. I'm I'm not up on all the Jasons. So well, who is? We'll give it a go. I don't know. I, I think uh, I would think that this one would be pretty easy, but we'll see. Uh, Jason number five there, John Moore. Here comes Jason number five, or in the case of Michelle, Jason number two. Most of the time, change is a good thing. I think that's what it's all about. Embracing change, being brave, doing whatever you have to so that everyone in your life can move forward theirs. Maybe it's the only way you can truly help her be happy. Obviously, by her, I'm referring to Lady Football. <laughs> That's a great soundbite. <laughs> okay, Michelle, do you know who that is? Michelle. Yes, I can see his face. I just can't think of his name. Okay. Oh, Michelle. I'm really proud of you, though, Michelle, for getting Jennifer Jason Lee. That's impressive. She got the toughest one yet. And that one right there, for a lot of people, they're going to be in the car going, oh, whoa, 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 no. Yes. Because it's only one of the most popular shows going right now. Oh, it fills your heart up with love. All right, John, you're next. Welcome to Good Morning BT. Good morning, Bo and Beth. Is it Jason Sudeikis? Yeah, that's right. That's Ted. That's a little Ted Lasso coming at you right there. All right. Way to go, John. John, out of the gate, coming strong. Let's see here. Make sure I keep my checklist going here. Getting down to my final few Jasons. All right. Um, All right. How about this? Let's go Jason 2, John Moore. John, this is your second Jason to name for Aldine tickets. Lucius Malfoy. We meet at last. Forgive me. Your scar is legend, as of course is the wizard who gave it to you. Voldemort killed my parents. 
he was nothing more than a murderer. Hmm. He must be very brave to mention his name. Or very foolish. Fear of a name only increases fear of the thing itself. And you must be Miss Granger. All right, John, who's that? Is it Jason Hughes? It is not Jason Hughes. That was a great guess, though. That's a good guess. I'm sorry. I mean, obviously, I mean, I think we all can agree it's from Harry Potter. What? I'm kidding. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, we got Ted Lasso over here. All right, uh, so. Wait, Ben just dropped off. I know, we just cleared Aww. the decks because oh, I think he, he didn't, that's what happens here. They, they either jump on because they hear one they know, or they jump off because they're scared away. Well, and this one is a... This one's a this this Jason is a tough Jason because a lot of people well obviously they know his first name's Jason. <laughs> this one's a hard last name to remember. But see here go the phones. Oh, this somebody this, knows it. This is how this contest goes. This is what I love about this contest because you know people ride in their car and they go oh wait, how could you not know that? I know this one. I know this one. All right, let's Michael. go to Michael on line one. Do you know that Jason? Uh, Jason Isaac. Jason Isaacs is correct. Wow. Well done. Well done. All right, Michael. Let's see here. You're standing on the edge of the cliff, halfway to the Jason Aldean tickets. All right. Jason number three, John Moore. Jason number three. It is a uh, it's a chilly start this morning. Might fool you to what the rest of the day is going to be like, but we do want to say good morning. Take a look at our Queen City, all lit up, courtesy of our exclusive Arlington camera. Today is Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to those old, of you that... It's an old clip. <laughs> those that don't, well, you know how you feel about it. All right, Michael, do you know who that is? Uh, is it Jason Boyle? It's not. That is incorrect. Jason Meyer? Nope, nope, nope. That's not it. Oh, Michael's so close because he knows what he knows what he's listening to. He yeah, knows. That's right. That one, that uh, I had a feeling this one's gonna this one's gonna be tough. But then then when you get it, you go, oh yeah. Well, he tweeted us, Bo, and said, hey, do you need a soundbite from me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I don't, Jason. <laughs> we had already thought of you, Jason. All right, so uh, we have a Jason on the board. Beth and I've tried to give some uh, hints here in the last uh, thirty seconds. This is the best of Bo and Beth on demand. You know, I almost forgot. I mean, this this contest has become so popular, it needed its own open. What's your name, dude? Hi, my name is... Why? Say my name. What's your name? What kind of stupid name is that? Why don't you ever call me by my name? Now, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Now, tell them your name. All right, so Scott, that name, that puts more pressure on Scott. So now... <laughs> <laughs> Who produces those for you? Let's bring Marge. Bring Marge on line two on WBT. Hi, Marge. You there? I am. All right, I so am. I have a lot of static on the line. All right, well, we'll get right to it here. This is the Jason that's uh, on the line for you right now. It is a, uh, it's a chilly start this morning. Might fool you to what the rest of the day is going to be like, but we do want to say good morning. Take a look at our Queen City, all lit up, courtesy of our exclusive Arlington camera. Today is Valentine's Day, so uh, happy Valentine's Day. No, it's Day. not. No, it's but that's the that's the most recent clip I could find uh, of that particular Jason Marge. Do you know who that is? I'm going to say it's Jason Studenski. Wait a minute. No, you're you're thinking of uh, Stu, Stujanki from, from from Channel Nine. Uh, that's a that's a Jason I forgot about. We could have done that, Jason. But no, it's not uh, Stu Janky. I think that's how yeah, you pronounce Stu his Janky. name. 
Uh, he's, he's like a, the uh, the investigative reporter. Yeah. Yes. For Channel Nine. So this is Queen City News. Queen ah, City you News. you just threw one out there. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to throw him a bone. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. Beth just gave you a ginormous hint. Did that I? The, the current current Jason. If that doesn't Throw me do a bone. it. If that doesn't do it, I don't know what we're Put will. a laser on a shark. <laughs> and, and didn't you say this Jason actually tweeted and said he, he would give us a live one if we wanted one? He, he said, like, uh, do you need a clip from me? Do you need a clip? He knew. He Have knew him call and see if he Jason. knows which Jason <laughs> yes, it is. Right. So you know that it's you, Jason. Jason. Who is this Jason? Oh, somebody knows. Yeah, that's what I love about this is that it, it, it comes in waves. I know. I was telling you not to give the Jennifer Jason Lee hint, and mm-hmm. then I just gave like the biggest hint ever okay. for this Jason. Was, it was well timed. Well, because uh, we had everybody, we lost everybody. All right, Michael is on News Talk 1110 WBT, and you can call to 704 570 1110 because we still have two Jason Aldean, almost said student, studenty tickets, <laughs> uh, Jason Aldean tickets. That'd be a good to, show to give away. Michael, who is this Jason? It I is a uh, it's chilly. Say what? Jason Harper? Jason, Jason Harper, Harper is right. right. Well, well done, Way Michael. Go. Jason Harper from, uh, actually, he's working right now while we're working. He's Queen over on City. Queen City News <laughs> with uh, Ann Wyatt Little. Oh, is he? Was he no, oh, we oh. just saw a dancing poo on oh. TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The commercial. <laughs> John, John, we lost John Moore for like 60 seconds. The top 10 things we did not expect still going. John Moore to Wait, say. Did John Moore... www.poophh.com Did John Moore just call Jason Harper a dancing poo? No. no, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a poop cleaning commercial. I know. I know. All right, uh, Michael's like, uh, can y'all get on with this? Yeah, I like, was like, I want to name the other Jason. All right, uh, let's look at number 11, John Moore. All right. Here you go, Michael. Because if you got the poison, I've got the remedy. The remedy is the experience. This is a dangerous liaison. Is that, a, is that a pork chop on his head? <laughs> pork, pork pie. Pork pie hat. All right, Michael. Who's that? Jason Moran. Yes. yes. Congratulations, Michael. You have named two Jasons. You are going to see Jason Aldean. Are you so excited, Michael? I'm excited. I'm so excited for you. This makes me so happy. Right. I love giving things away. I love Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to take your excitement and talk to Bernie. He'll get you all set up. Bernie! And that concludes Name That Jason. Ooh. I still uh, have a few Jasons. You want to go through the I, Yeah, let's finish the Jasons that would have been. The Jasons that might have been. All right. Uh, let's see. Jason number 10. John Moore, see if anybody in the room knows Jason number 10. It took a long time to get here, Jason. I know about Beirut. Jason's I know state, what you though. did. Incorrect. Oh, I, it I all missed it, guys. Tonight. Thanks for playing. Yeah. <laughs> I lost. easier I'll to call do back. it right away. Hang up on you. <laughs> Beth's gone for the rest of the show. <laughs> Let's hang up on Beth. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, nobody knows that Jason? Wait, hold on. Like I, I say, I, this is like the, one of the easiest ones of all. Oh, wait a minute. I, I stopped listening. It took a long time to get here, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I know about Beirut. I know what you did. Oh, I know. Hey. Oh, oh, it's Jason it Clark. No. Oh. Oh, for two. When was he born? Right away. It's Jason Bourne, guys. There you go. Oh. <laughs> Jason Bourne. That's a good hit. So, Why see, I was thinking Zero Dark Thirty. That's Jason Clark. Zero Dark. Um, but they got the chin. I'm gonna have to take your word on that one. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. You're thinking uh, of Zero Beer Thirty. Let's see here. I've got one left, and uh, this this probably would have uh, stopped I, people. I was either going to go Harper or this one. Uh, I think either of them would have sort of uh, kept us going for a while. Hey, is it? Uh, this is number seven. Stu Junkie. This is. 
<laughs> this is number seven. Who is this Jason? Uh, knowing Kai and uh, just understanding uh, his skill set and uh, the new atmosphere, um, he's excited to be here. And I think he talked about that yesterday. Um, again, I think his leadership down the stretch of getting everyone organized, uh, knowing how to play Bernie, you should um, know this without one. having the ball or being able to have to score, setting screens for his teammates. Kevin Keats. Shots, uh, was shown tonight. So, well, he um, shares something in common stuff, with Kevin uh, Keats. As we build this uh, on this uh, new All right, journey. So who do you think that is? Bernie, do you know? He's like, he's like Kevin Keats, at least uh, in a, at the professional level. Jason Henry. No. The only Jason I can think of is Jason Terry. Not, well, you're 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 warm. That's a good. That's close. It is a Jason, Jason Kid. Jason Kid. Ah, that's right. Jason Kid. Is there a Kidd. Jason Henry? I would never know his voice. Well, yeah, I, I know. Really can we not have visuals with these? <laughs> and and actually, John Moore, just for kicks here, uh, there's one more that I did not use officially. Like I used it as an example the other day, and somebody just texted me and said, "Why didn't you use this one?" And I said, "Well, I did, but I didn't." So I technically could have brought this one back. You're giving me the "It's not you." It's me routine? Oh, the best Jason. I invented it's not you, it's me. <laughs> Nobody tells me it's them, not me. If it's anybody, it's me. All right. George, it's you. You're damn right it's me. <laughs> All right. Jason Alexander never made it to the official board, but You're actually... You're saving that if you had to end the game. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Done with exactly. It. When we had no more Jasons left. Exactly. The best of the week with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. This is the Good Morning BT Podcast. For butterfly kisses, after bedtime prayer, sticking little white flowers all up in her hair. Walk beside the pond. Remember when this song came out? <laughs> yes. It chokes me up to this day every time I hear this song. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. This was the summer of 1997. And every once in a while, you get a song that comes along. And this was like, I remember it very well because the, uh, the songs that were also on the chart were like the Spice Girls and Hanson. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's Bob Carlyle. And Butterfly Kisses. Butterfly Kisses. But uh, there's a story here that made me think of this because there's a, there's a woman who's garnered some attention on uh, social media and online because of a stance that she has taken regarding something that uh, a lot of people listening have probably partaken in, or not, or know someone who has. I know I did, because I have a daughter, and I went to, I guess, however many daddy-daughter dances that we had at her elementary school, which I think would be, what, six, seven? Uh, But there's one woman who uh, has a daughter, has a husband, Uh but is not sure that she's going to let her daughter and her husband partake and it's a joint decision, apparently, uh, in this tradition that is prevalent at so many schools across the country. Yeah, and I wanted to get thoughts on this. She is getting a lot of attention online for a, 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 an advice article that she wrote asking the question about daddy-daughter dances. This was in Slate. It's titled, Our New City's Father-Daughter Dance Tradition Gives Me the Creeps. I'll I'll read a little bit of this for you. She says, My husband, daughter, and I live in a city that is apparently big on father-daughter dances at school. Neither one of us are from places that had these dances. I personally don't love the concept, partially because of the patriarchal feel, but mainly because I think about all of the little girls who are excluded because they don't have fathers, whether dead or absentee. They don't have a great relationship with their father or perhaps are abused by their fathers. 
We are a couple of years away from my daughter being able to attend, but I'm already thinking about what to do. My husband agrees with my viewpoint, but also admits he'd probably feel sad about not attending. I also wouldn't know how to begin explaining to our daughter why she couldn't attend. If we, if we ultimately make that choice, what do we do and how do we handle it? And it's really interesting to think about the person who wrote back, the advice columnist giving advice back, said that in many schools there used to be like muffins with mom and donuts with dad and that schools have made um, the events more like pastries with parents where the student, the child, can choose which parent comes to the event if they want uh, a parent or even maybe a caretaker that's a grandmother or an aunt or something can come and they don't feel excluded or feel like they can't attend because they don't have the specific parent that's in the title of the event. And so I had never, I don't have children, so I I didn't have daddy-daughter dances um, when I was little. So I I had never considered this. But And when I first saw the article, I was like, oh, no, is this like some kind of like cancel culture article kind of thing? And it's not at all. It's more of a what about all of the people who aren't in families that have both parents or maybe are being raised by a grandparent or an aunt or something like that. But you could, um, and I feel sorry for anybody who doesn't have their dad or yeah, yeah, dad's yeah. not in the picture or whatever, but you could almost do that with any occasion. There are people, I remember when our kids were having Halloween, we had neighbors that were upset about Halloween because of what they thought really Halloween was represent. based on and so forth. And yet there are Halloween parties and things like that. And just Halloween itself, yeah. people going door to door, getting candy and so forth. So it could almost extend to... Anything kind of that anything. would be celebrated, but I guess if you're if all of your friends are going to the daddy daughter dance and you don't get I, to I get go, that. I wonder, or if you, or if it raises the question like, where's dad, or or all of those things that that maybe aren't that the parents aren't ready sub- to address. Bring, in, bring an uncle or a substitute grandpa, whatever, yeah. whatever. Again, I feel Neighbor. sorry for anybody who wouldn't have that, who would want that, but there are certainly other ways of still. Having a good time with another relative, a big brother, whatever the case might a big be. Big brother, that's a good one. That's a really good one. So I think that, I mean, I'm thinking back on the ones that I went to with my daughter. And I think there were some examples where you had a brother go or you had somebody who wasn't the dad but sort of was a father figure. A father figure. I was also thinking about, I don't remember them. And, and my kids went all the way through CMS. And I am a CMS product. I don't remember there being a daddy-daughter dance when I was in school. No, yeah. I don't think we had those things. It's a relatively new thing. Now, I also remember that uh, the, the boys um, went and had a night out with mom. Like, I, I, they went somewhere like, you know, like one of those, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but one of those sports places, those sports places where they have all oh, like kinds Dave of, and Buster's kind exact, of thing? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, like like in the old days would have been Celebration Station, that kind of thing. Yeah, so remember was that? it like Magic with Mom? Yeah, so so there was a, <laughs> a one for the moms and the, and the boys. And the sons. But I don't remember like this this daddy-daughter dance. And I, and look, it was great. I, I went to a lot of them. And Did and, you love it? I, I did. It was it was a lot of fun. It was one of the first bonding experiences with my daughter. So this would be a strange thing to take away if you just made it a parents' night out where the kids could choose. Because then does it does it put the child in a strange choice if they do have both parents? Like I choose you, mom. You know, and then suddenly you're in this like stressful situation as a kid because you're having to choose. Well, wait, no, they don't do them at the same time. No, no, no. I'm saying if they change the whole methodology, oh, okay. if we got rid of them. I thought you meant it was like they planned the, 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 the boys and the, and the girls on the same night. Which one do you want to go to? <laughs> no, 
but if they changed it from daddy daughter to like parents night out yeah, and then yeah. the kid the child had to choose i feel like that would so be stressful now, now they take it off the kid and put it on the parents now mm-hmm. the parents feel bad <laughs> exactly because then they're like well i was sitting favorite. at home while the other one's going i'd love to know what people think about this though. and here's another part of the conversation school dances mm-hmm. you know when i was in uh when i was in junior high school or middle school now we would have Friday night school dances. Yes, I loved them. When, when my kids cycled through at the same school, they'd change those Friday night dances to Friday afternoon in the daytime dances. Ew. Which I, 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 they went to, but I thought to myself, I wouldn't have liked that as much. No, because then you, you go in your stinky school clothes. Like, you've been in your stinky school clothes all day, but when it was Friday night dance, you had a special outfit. Your stinky school clothes. Because <laughs> you've been in <laughs> How hard did you go at recess? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I played is, hard. Why is no one dancing with Beth? <laughs> Slow dancing to this song at the AG Junior High School Friday night dance in seventh grade. It just brought me back. I I can Here feel. Kind of a forgotten REO Speedwagon song, but it was a hit. Ah, oh, I loved this song. I can feel the space between me and my seventh grade date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is really weird because the song that came after it was this one. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I remember very, very vividly slow dancing to the REO Speedwagon song, but walking in and they were blasting this, and it was Captain Sam. Captain Sam, the, D- the mobile DJs. The mobile DJ. Yeah. Captain Sam was everywhere. In 1987, anything you did on a Friday night, whether it was school or the teen center or wherever you went to a, a place where teens hung out, Captain Sam was there. Yeah, I feel like he was at our school dances. Because there, there He was of, multi-county. A lot of Sams. A lot of Sams. <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about, uh, well, not, I got off sort of on a tangent about uh, the uh, middle school dances. And, mm-hmm. and they still do middle school dances, but... At the uh, middle school, which was when I was there, a junior high school, when I was there, it was on a Friday night. They'd do the dances like Mm -hmm. two or three times a year. And then when my kids went there, they had evolved that to a Friday during the day after school dance, which I always thought, "Ah, I wouldn't have liked that as much. But my my kids liked it. But I just remember they didn't have anything to compare it to. I remembered what... What we had on Friday nights with Captain Sam. And it felt special because you got a little special little outfit for it. You got to go home and get dressed. And maybe your mom picked up your friends, too. And you all showed up together as a group so you didn't have to walk in alone. Man, I love this song. I had forgotten about it. <laughs> That's why I'm here, Beth. Bring I feel like we should back. slow dance. <laughs> Leave space for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> All right, 704-570-1110. We have people calling because the thing that got us going down this road was a woman who, uh, there's an article written, or she wrote it, or or, or I don't know where she is, but essentially the bottom line is this. She and her husband are trying to decide whether or not to let their daughter go with her dad to the daddy-daughter dance at their school. She said in the article, the title of the article was, Our New City's Father-Daughter Dance Tradition Gives Me the Creeps. And she went on to say that she was concerned about the daddy-daughter dance because of how 
many girls may not have good relationships with fathers or may not have a father um, or may be in an abusive relationship with their father. Uh, so she felt like it was kind of exclusionary and was wondering, should it be a, a, a parent event that you can go with either parent instead of uh, just a daddy-daughter dance? Joanna, 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 right, Bernie? Joanna is on News Talk 1110. WBT wants to weigh in on this. Good morning to you. Oh, my goodness. Good morning to both of you. Thank you for taking my call. I'll tell you what. I got so much to say about this. Oh, yay. I did not, did not grow up with that. I'm a Midwesterner. And also, I mean, I mine would have been in the 60s and 70s. That, so I don't know if we had them back then, but maybe. But we're losing so much. He said something about patriarchal. You know, we're lo- fathers are losing so much these days. And yet people complain that people don't have fathers. Well, I mean, this is his opportunity and her opportunity to discover for her to learn and grow up learning how a boy should treat her at a dance. And the other thing is, she started out by saying it's creepy or she's creeped out. Mm -hmm. Well, that has nothing to do with others who do not have this opportunity. And now, as as a response, she's not allowed, she's not going to allow her daughter to have the opportunity. So the daughter's going to grow up. Others around her will have had that opportunity. She will not have had that opportunity. It's just wrong on so many levels. And I feel sorry for the mom because she grew up, obviously, if this daughter's very young, she grew up at an age when we're, we're leaning more and more toward this, where because we we are aware of people who are poor and don't have the things, you know, we're not showing gratitude for what we have. We're showing um, just sorrow for people who don't have. And the response to that is to rob ourselves of because we have the privilege. Wrong response. You know, if you want to do something for those uh, people, you can start a charity, you can you can go to a charity and give to a charity, but to rob your own daughter of that is not the proper response. We don't need to feel guilty. I mean, I'm sure she goes to the grocery store and buys groceries. A lot of people starving. Or how about I'm this, sure Joanna? That. Why not uh, if you have a, a, a young lady who does not have a father figure or her father's out of the picture, you go as a group and you take that, that uh, young lady with you and there are other male examples uh, uh, dads in the group yeah. that uh, bring her into the mix, make it an inclusive thing as opposed to you can't go because your dad's not here. I think it's good. I think that's a wonderful response. And I even would go a step further and say, you know, well, yes, yes. Or even ask mm. the officers, you know, police officers to participate. Oh, that's isn't a that idea. a sweet idea? Your local, like the guy who, you know, the local officer that comes to your school. How fun would that be? Joanna, we got to go. That's a great, uh, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. That's a great response. We appreciate your phone calls. News Talk 1110 WBT. In my dream. Had to get the end of the song in there. The REO Speedwagon. Yeah, it was good. (laughs)